Hello, everyone, and welcome to Weekly Manga Recap. It is the 8th of April of 2020. Ha! It's all good, man. It's all fine. It's all fine. Everything is okay. If you don't look at any piece of the news, every part of it seems to suggest otherwise. But if you you block it out entirely and you just watch non-news-related television that's not forced to be current so you can't watch wrestling but and you can't watch like entertainment just watch old cheers reruns for (laughs) the next month and a half and when you come out of this you're gonna be like nothing really changed now that you now that you talk about it i guess i've been watching deep space nine with nicole and there's an episode where they deal with a highly contagious pathogen. And I'm like, maybe we shouldn't have watched this. <laughs> You're like, you know what? Uh, maybe this episode didn't exist, Skip. <laughs> Just blink it into the next one. Has that been your, your, your big quarantine show? I mean, I don't really have a quarantine show. Nicole still had to work, mm. so... Um, we've just kind of like been doing business as usual. Honestly, it's been weird. Like seeing that, I mean, so it's, it's been weird to have everyone like, Oh, things are so different right now. I'm like, I mean, I believe you, but also I just don't go outside normally. So yeah. I can't go and see for myself. <laughs> You're like, I'll take your word for it. It's annoying whenever I have to go to the store, but that's about it. Yeah. So, all right. We have something very big to talk about this week, Chris. Mm-hmm. We're this having be, a baby. This might be the most relevant manga that we've managed to cover in a uh, recommendation uh, since the series debuted on Netflix, or its anime adaptation mm-hmm. did, rather. Uh, but this is a series that has been running since uh, late 2016 in Weekly Shonen Champion, written by Itagaki Paru who is also the daughter of the author of uh, Baki, Grappler Baki. Uh-huh. So that's why there's fisticuffs, I guess, in this series. Anyway. Um, and uh, also, late 2016, coincidentally, the same year that Zootopia came out. So a lot of times when people talk about the series, it's like, it's kind of like Zootopia, but rated R. It's like, no. I mean, it's a little bit, no. But, yeah, uh, <laughs> there's, there's a lot, like... I feel like this series gets described a lot of ways and almost all of them are either reductive or very, yes. very wrong. There's yeah. some truths in just about all of them. But if you go in with the expectation of like, it's adult Zootopia, you're going to be like, no, it's fucking not. It's not. There was so much of same nonsense. That was not what I expected out of adult Zootopia. We're talking about Beastars by Itagaki Peru. Mm. Uh, this is a shonen series, so despite the fact that there are definitely some mature themes in it, it is still a shonen series. Uh, and so I'm going to say this off the bat in terms of just an- just to give my best answer to the question of uh, who would you recommend this series to? I would say I would recommend it to most people uh, if you're into like anthropomorphized uh, characters, furries, then you're definitely probably going to want to check it out. It's probably going to appeal to you in that sense. Uh, If you are not into furries, maybe, maybe we should still check it out. I think that there's a lot of good stuff in it. If the idea of furries and in particular furries having sex is like, no, don't want that. Then yeah, stay away from this because there's a considerable amount of stuff built around uh, sexuality, 
coming of age, finding your place in the world. And all of it is put through the filter of these are animals. Uh, so there's a lot of dealing with base urges, uh, instincts, the urge to mate, the urge to eat, the urge to run away from people that want to eat you. And yes, so in terms of that, there is a similarity to Zootopia in terms of the theme there, the relationship between those who eat and those who are eaten. But uh, it was much more cartoonish in Zootopia and nobody actually got eaten in Zootopia. Multiple things all the time get eaten in this series. <laughs> so there's that. I will also say that if you start reading this series, it's going to end up becoming a very different series pretty quickly from what it starts out as. Because it starts off looking like it's going to be, you know, like mature things happening at a high school. They leave the high school pretty damn quickly <laughs> and go to do other stuff instead. So, so it, it, it's interesting because this is um, this is a series with many different facets, and I I know there are people who love this part of it and people who absolutely hate this part of it uh, because Zootopia is the, the thing that it's going to get compared to a lot. And this is one of the reasons why I would say not to describe it as that is because Zootopia was two things. It was a cop movie and it was a movie about social inequalities, uh, discussing those themes as directed at children. Right. And this one was the structure and one was the theme. And so they didn't get in each other's way. Yeah. This one is the viewing of societal differences aimed at children, but it's also a murder mystery. It's also a high school drama. It's also a romance. It is also it's, sometimes like a kung fu fight movie. It's a hot blooded. It it's that, a hot. Yeah. It's a hot blooded shonen rivalry series. Like it's a yeah. lot of things very quickly. So much. Sometimes I would describe it as being like noir esque. Yeah. But other times I would describe it as insanely goofy and silly. It it's such a it, the best way I could describe this. The first chapter is a murder, like a murder has happened at the mm -hmm. school. They don't address that murder again for like seventy chapters. It is not an issue for them for a while because. Eventually, you find out who killed, like, who was behind it. And it's very odd because you're just like, I legitimately forgot that was the initial starting premise of the series. I don't really blame you. No. I was just like, oh, right, the, the dead kid. There are things, look, I'll, I'll say this. I love this manga. Mm -hmm. I think that it's entertaining. I think that it does some things that are very cool, some things that are very interesting. Uh, I love a lot of the characters in it. That said, it can be all over the place. There is a character that is introduced as it gets into the who killed uh, Tem, uh, the person who's the uh, I think he's a alpaca, I think. Yeah, he's an alpaca. Uh, uh, who is killed and eaten at the beginning of the series. That becomes the focus of the second arc of the story. And the character that kind of brings into focus, oh, you know, uh, our main character, Legoshi, the wolf has to uh, solve who his murderer was. Um, there is this mysterious, previously unseen snake 
hall monitor basically of the school who's like the guardian of the school and they're given this very ominous encounter with legacy uh they like display their power by like tying him up uh using his you know using her snake body and stuff and then that character never shows up again (laughs) (laughs) i've read this entire like 170 ish chapter manga she never shows up again after that one appearance uh so I, I was thinking to myself as I was getting ready, because I finished reading it uh, either last night or the night before. I was thinking to myself, like, OK, you know, it comes all over the place. There are things that happen that you know are not set up at all. But generally speaking, things that happen do set up important things. Yeah. And then I thought, like, well, that was entire, an entirely unnecessary character when I think about it. So maybe not. <laughs> yeah. So uh, when I described it to I, I mentioned that some people really like this and some people absolutely hate it and i i'm I, like even in our chat i'm hearing people talk about it i i would say the one thing in defense of it is that it's it's never so random as just like and like a, a chapter starts sort of like let's go to the beach and then they find themselves in aquatic underwater like temple adventures or something like that like as you mentioned there's some kind of fluidity to it and usually stuff is relevant but in criticism of it there are a couple times we're just like what the fuck is happening anymore? <laughs> like, I don't... There was a moment... Because I, I, I primarily digested the, the start of the series through the anime. Not to get into too much of our current climate, but it was an easier way to digest some of it than reading it, the chapters. And It is good. I, I've watched I've watched the anime uh, as well. So. I, I was... I, I was like, they're preparing for the school festival thing. It's this big, like, the meteorite festival. And I looked at my phone for a little bit, and I looked up, and I was like, wait, why is Haru captured by the mafia? What, what did I miss? It honestly just happens. And that yeah. was one of the things that I would have brought up in the context of things happen, but they're important. You know, because literally, Haru gets kid. The Haru, who is the, uh, the third, I guess, most important character in the series, uh, she is a dwarf rabbit. And also, like, she's love interest. So there is a romance blossoming between them, which is complicated by the fact that Legashi is a wolf and Haru is a rabbit. And Legashi, interspecies romance in general is something that you can kind of see it as an allegory for, like, same-sex marriage. Uh, it's because, of course, it doesn't result in children of one species or the other. Although I thought that the idea was it doesn't result in children at all. But the current arc deals with hybrid children, so that's not the case. Uh, but to get away from that, um, there's a whole thing because, of course, Legashi is a predator. He is a carnivore, and Haru is an herbivore, an animal that his ancestors would have eaten. And Legashi, from the very moment that he first encounters her, he is overwhelmed by this previously unexperienced bloodlust and he's overwhelmed by this urge to try and eat her and a lot of the series deals with can he resist this impulse to kill her and the of course safest thing for him to do would be to just stay away from people that he would have the surge around but he is drawn to her because he is also in love with her and so that's a big thing within the series is the relationship between them uh and yeah, there's a part where they're just preparing for a school festival and Harga's kidnapped. It's not foreshadowed or anything. She's just kidnapped by uh, a gang of lions because their boss wants to eat her. 
And that's that's it's important because the entire climax of the first arc revolves around Legoshi trying to go and rescue her. Mm. But it just happens. Yeah, like <laughs> so. it, it's very significant because this this changes Haru and Legoshi's relationship going forward and involves another side character. It involves like a couple other little factors. But it's really one of those things where you're like, all right, let's get this school festival done. Hold on. We got to have some some fist-on-fist violent combat with lion gangsters now. Like, all right. Wasn't expecting this. I'll follow along, I suppose. So that is a flaw of the series, I will say, is that stuff happens out of nowhere. Some of it is entirely inconsequential. But at the same time, this series would lose a lot of its identity if it didn't have that bizarre random element to it. There is something that was included in the anime that I was shocked was included in the anime, which is there is an entire chapter dedicated to the girl who sits next to Legashi in one of his classes, who is a chicken, who has a part-time job selling the eggs that she lays to the school cafeteria, and she takes great pride in the fact that Legashi eats her eggs in egg sandwiches, and she has a whole crisis of conscience when she finds out that the eggs have, that he's been eating haven't tasted as good recently, so he's so he's eating a different sandwich, and she's like, oh no, I've lost a customer. And she, all this is internal, because she's just not telling him this. She's literally just like having this internal conversation with herself. We have ne- never met this character before. We basically never see her again. Yeah. <laughs> so, there... But... You know, at the same time, I love it. Like, I mean, I would not say, no, you should just be like be a more focused series and all this stuff, because I mean, almost none of the stuff that I talk about is like I this stuff happens. And I'm like, oh, this is stupid, pointless bullshit. It takes me by surprise. And then that's it. You know, I think that there's something to be gained from basically all of it. Mm. Uh, but I could also definitely see someone seeing this stuff and being like, this is such pointless garbage and getting frustrated and just wanting to get to whatever the fuck the main plot is supposed to be, particularly early on when it is very unclear what the hell is supposed to be happening. Yeah, it's it's unique because there's, I guess, like two kind of not red herrings, but initial setups that you're like, okay, this story is going to be about the the kid who was murdered in the first chapter. And like, no, it's not really about that. And then the whole series takes place, kind of revolves around this drama club and the concepts of B-stars, the titular thing, basically just an exemplary member of society. Everyone's like, I'm going to be the next next B-star. And that's not what the series is about. At least early on, it's kind of about the fact that not even really about a love triangle per se, more as just a developing, complicated relationship between like three to four characters and that's kind of like the thread that guides you through it. And I, I think in a lot of ways that that is kind of a little bit refreshing because these characters are at the very least they're interesting. I don't like all of them. In fact, I can't stand Louie. That character could fall off a cliff and I'd be like, good, much better story without him. But he is uh, interesting. The Sasuke of Beastars. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Honestly, not a bad, not a bad way of describing him. Now that I think, yeah. <laughs> but it was one of those things where, you're like, oh, I, 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 I could be fun, but I, I, I can still admit he's an interesting character. And the entirety of the cast do have different facets to them. They are worth kind of exploring and following along with. So I, I think it is to the manga's benefit to primarily be about them 
and not trying to focus on the idea of like you have to be the best actor so you can be the top B star mm-hmm. and point to WrestleMania sign and continue, et cetera, et cetera. A lot of the time, like I mean, Legoshi and Louis and Haru, who are basically the main three characters of the series, they all do have ambitions. But they're also young, and so those ambitions can change as things influence them, and they change as people. And a lot of times they do feel very kind of reactive. Uh, Legoshi does definitely have, especially an ambition towards the later part of the series, when he decides that, you know, he definitely wants to be with Haru. And so he's got to confront the problems that, that come with that. And uh, But in general, there's a lot of you know, things happen around him and he's trying to make his way through it. And so there's not a, like a lot of, I'm going to definitely do this one thing. Uh, and all the characters in general are kind of subject to the shit that's happening in the world around them and they have to react to it. So because you're following the characters on what is happening to them, I think that's part of why it feels like things get jerked around a lot. Uh As opposed to, you know, following like this is the plot and this is what is happening uh, and this is, you know, the important stuff that sets up this important thing and so on and so forth. So, for example, like when Haru gets kidnapped out of nowhere, well, that's the way that those characters experience that turn of events because they don't expect that shit to happen. Huh. Um, but uh, I, don't know. I don't know. The important thing to me is the fact that, you know, the characters that you follow are likable in their own different ways. Louis, I definitely can see like you would not, not find him likable. He's definitely, I, I think, not meant to be likable, especially at first. Um, but Legoshi is like, he's so fluffy, basically. <laughs> he's such a good boy. <laughs> That's a good way to describe him. Um, cause he, he's dealing with these urges, obviously, but if you get to know the real him, he's just this very quiet guy who just is very considerate of people. Um, there's a lot of a lot noted of the fact that because he's one of the larger predators, um, he makes a lot of effort to always kind of like lower himself and make himself smaller so that people aren't intimidated by him because he doesn't want to be seen as strong. Uh, Haru's got this very weird, unique uh, character arc where she essentially um wants to be treated as an individual so she fucks people uh, <laughs> because and it makes sense when she explains it she's so small that all the time she's treated as like this weak little child that has to be protected and but whenever she has sex with someone they don't see her that way they see her as an object of desire and so they see her as an individual and so that gives her a sense of identity and power and purpose uh, and then there's Louis, who has a different version of that because he is a deer. And so he is a prey animal, but he wants to be seen as strong and powerful. So he carries a gun around. <laughs> yeah, I mean, so part of it, too, is this this attitude of informing characters based on sort of the stereotypes of their animal. Lugoshi yes. is a lone wolf. He he operates kind of quietly and at night and lurks around and Haru is a rabbit. So she reacts based off fear and also has sex a lot. And on one hand, you could think, 
wow, it's kind of clever the way, because they there, there is sort of a trope to this kind of character that Haru is, and playing some of the stereotype into, well, rabbits have sex a lot works to kind of justify it a somewhat a bit in universe. Um, there are times, though, where the world felt like it was trying to be like it like it just gotten its first taste of adulthood and it's like all right let's mm-hmm. let's keep pushing a little bit further the the entirety of the time she's with like the gangsters they keep making weird allusions to like sexual assault and stuff like that mm-hmm. you're just like none of this is necessary for what's going on here like there's parts of it where i'm like it yes this is a more mature version of zootopia and then there are other parts where i'm like sometimes this is just stupid zootopia if you want to like phrase it that way basically there is definitely a lot of sexuality for the sake of sexuality in the series i'll give it that much and i don't think it was a good idea for those scenes to have like because you know there's the parts where haru was like taking the initiative especially like like her first like proper encounter with legoshi she gets the mistaken impression because she has a rep for being a slut at school that he wants to sleep with her. Mm-hmm. And so she starts, you know, foreplay, basically. And then she's just like, what is happening? <laughs> you know, like a terrified 17 year old that he is. Um, and it's like, OK, I can get into like playing up her sexuality because, you know, you're seeing it through Legoshi's eyes. And so it's like, OK, you know, there's this incredibly sexual creature uh, putting the moves on him. But then there's like, hey, there's a lion that's going to eat this girl. Check out her ass. It's like, oh, oh, <laughs> feels wrong. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I also want to, because you mentioned Legushi and he, he is the main character. I do have a problem with Legushi. Okay. Motherfucker needs to stop fucking inner monologuing to himself. That shit is infuriating. It's like the jojo thing where like it's like I've, he's being punched in a fraction of a second he has like a 40 minute conversation with himself but at the end no one gets punched everyone's just upset the conversation doesn't go anywhere you're like this is infuriating i understand that's how like you develop a story but holy shit every time he talks to himself i'm immediately like oh i hate this i hate every second of it stop doing this having read both the manga and watched the anime um I feel like the anime plays up that part of it a lot more. Yeah. And it might just be the fact that like, you know, inner monologue tends to kind of go faster when you're reading it. than when, you know, you have to be like, what's going on? I don't know. You know? Yeah. Um, but yeah, I guess he talks to himself a lot because he's does a lot. That's how he works out his problems, especially because he's a loner the way that you said. So I definitely can can see that that could be a, a bit of an issue. If you don't like, you know, having long inner monologues, then that's going to definitely be a hang up, I think, for a lot of people. Yeah. But like she also just, you know, fucking rips out his own fangs in order to make a promise at one point, <laughs> And he punches dudes really hard. He does. And so <laughs> look, it just he pales in comparison to the objective best character in the series. Who was that? Uh, it's Jack Nick. The best character in the series. Oh, he's such a good dog. <laughs> that good boy dog roommate. He's so good. He's so loyal. Jack has one of my first favorite comedic moments in this story. So uh, at the beginning of the series, uh, Legacy is part of this all canine dorm. So he's got like five roommates for all different breeds of dogs. And uh, so they do, you know, dog things with each other. You know, there's a lot of sniffing. 
Uh, they they at one point go to like a recreation center where they chase a ball around and return to the ball launcher. And it's like, you're such a good boy. They're like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but Jack is also like Legacy's oldest friend in the series. They've known each other since they were little kids. And uh, Jack is very innocent, um, very, you know, thoughtful and happy. Uh, and he gets worried about Legacy a lot as Legacy gets more and more involved in this underground world of violence that lurks in the world of Beastars. Um, but there's a part where <laughs> I'm just going to say it and uh, read it for yourself. Uh, so Legacy, when he ends up in a black market where they sell animal meats, which is illegal but tolerated in the city, uh, a a grizzly panda doctor named Gohin ends up finding him and warning him to stay away from Haru. But when he, when Legacy keeps on saying no, it's because I'm in love with her. He's like, I'll tell you what, here, get t- take this bunny fetish magazine. And if you get off on it, it just means you're attracted to rabbits and it's OK. But if you don't get off on it, then it means you've got a, you've got an obsession with this girl and it's bad. And you're going to try and eat her. So you need to stay away from her. And of course, Jack, being Legacy's roommate, ends up finding the magazine. And so he's kind of like awkwardly like, Legacy, you know, I won't judge you if you're like into it. And Legacy like drop kicks him flying out of his bed. <laughs> it is like a flying like judo kick, like straight out of his bed. It's great. <laughs> the way it's drawn in the manga is like Jack's got this these big bug eyes. And he's like, Ugh! <laughs> This is a very funny manga, despite all the weird moments of like these animals are going to fuck. This animal is going to try and eat that animal. This animal murdered that animal. These animals have kidnapped this other animal. And these two animals are going to go and kung fu fight them in order to rescue her. This is also a very wacky and silly and funny series at at times. Uh, So there's a lot of it, a lot to it. And hence why the being was like, it's difficult. So, yeah. Um, when it comes to like a final recommendation, so here's the thing. Uh, I think this is uh, generally a good series. I don't like it though. Like I, I this, like the characters just didn't hit my nerves, but I'm still able to acknowledge this is a good series. This is a fun series. Um, I think it's reductive to say this is like a furry manga, but in that same way. If you happen to be into furry stuff, I do not think that's yes. going to be a negative for this series. Probably not. Um, I don't think this is going to be for everybody. Uh, this seems to be a pretty divisive series, but I, 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 I think more people are going to enjoy it than absolutely hate it. Like even I, I don't hate it. It's just not necessarily for me, and I kind of realized that relatively easily. Um. This is one of the easier series. Like, if you ever listen to our recommendations, you're like, I don't know if I really like, like, just watch a couple episodes on Netflix. Like, it's it's one of the easiest series to, like, just quickly be like, all right, let me it's just a, give it a try. It's a pretty great binge series uh, right now, um, especially, you know, right now. If you end up watching the first season and you want to know if you should continue reading the manga and I'm not saying, oh, read, watch the entire first season again. I'm just saying, if you have watched it, if you like the final few episodes, you will like more of the rest of the series because the rest of the manga tends to go more and more in that direction. And eventually, basically, the school life aspect of the series is abandoned almost entirely. If you're there when they're like doing all their drama production stuff and you're like, I don't want to bring all this bullshit. That goes away basically entirely. If you're like, well, I wanted more of that stuff that goes away. Um, 
also get used to some characters just disappearing for long periods of time. Haru is barely in the second arc, honestly. She's much more involved in the in the uh, current arc, however. Um, some very extreme stuff happens towards the end of the second arc, uh, but which I'm still not really sure how I feel about it. But again, it's much more similar to how the first season, which is the first arc of the manga, ends. So if you like wolves, a wolf punching other animals, then uh, yeah, you'll probably really like this. Yeah, um, darn tootin'. So that is about going to do it uh, for that. Let's read our talk about our regular manga. Wouldn't you say? I, I yes, I would say. OK, cool. How do so do we want to do our regular order or do you think we want? Let's to move. Uh, so normally we keep World Trigger for the very end. And I found sometimes we run, short we, we run long, so we don't have a ton of time to talk about. It. So just at least this week. Because it's such a big sequence of chapters, I would like to talk about World Trigger at the start, just so it doesn't get yeah. sort changed. If yeah. fucking if fucking Black Clover and Promised Neverland have to eat the the debt for that, so be it. Uh, which you know we're a little bit short on some on some manga this week anyway, so maybe it won't turn out that way anyhow. Yeah. Because you know we had a couple series end last week, but we'll see. So it's down to the final six in the Rank Wars battle. Uh, which beginning in chapter 194 of World Trigger, Osamu Mikomo part 18. It's all of Nina Mia's squad against Tamakoma 2 minus Hughes. And uh, so basically uh, Osamu and Yuma have basically met up and are launching a pincher attack on the three members of Nina Mia's squad who are in a tight circle uh, around each other, forming a tight circle of defense while everyone watches and everyone's very, everyone in the audience is very tensely observing during all of this. So Yuma tries to throw his like scorpion shuriken that he used to defeat, uh, Oshi, Oshi, or, uh, Oshi Jabaya or something like that. The girl. Yeah. With, Anyway, the girl gunner. Anyhow, so, uh, but o- Obishima. thank you. It's blocked by a shield. So Ninomiya responds by launching a bunch of bullets. Yuma ducks behind cover. So Ninomiya keeps on firing bullets and just starts blowing up buildings as Yuma ducks behind them. Fair enough. And so, of course, people are like, hey, you know, the fewer buildings that are in the way, the four, the little less cover that uh, Yuma is going to have. And also, Osamu can't use his freaking spider strategy if they keep on blowing up to, uh, all the buildings that form the tight corridors. Uh, Osamu uh, tries to launch some bullets as well, launching them straight towards Ninomiya, but Inukai intercepts them with his own shield, fires back. So they're like, oh, so maybe this is, you know, he's just trying to, you know, do a diversion by throwing those meteor bullets at him. Because, you know, even Captain Mikumo's firepower could, you know, deal some real damage if if only the defense is left open. Because, you know, Yuma could do a, a distraction and then Osama could catch him from behind. But gradually it becomes clear that basically what Yuma's squad is doing is they're very carefully progressing, blowing up the field and preventing people from getting cover. Uh, and they're just forming a, a tight shield all around Ninomiya while he blows shit up. And they're gradually progressing. And the reason they're doing this is because they don't know where Chica is. As long as they don't know where Chica is, she could end up sniping them from any angle. So they need three people watching out for her bullets in order to block it. 
however, once they know where Chica is, then they could have two of their members go on the attack while the last one just watches out for her. And then Tomoko is going to be in real trouble. Uh, so I forget this commentator's name, but he's like, you know, she's the most powerful card in Tomoko's deck. They're going to avoid playing her and keep her hidden in order to divide the enemy of squad's attention. You know, that's the way that Osamu would do this. But that really only applies if Hughes were around. And he, of course, he's not around. And Osamu's trying to fill that role himself. Uh, things start to look, get looking worse because Nina Mia launches another wave of bullets, which Tom, uh, Yuma rather manages to mostly avoid. But part of his hands get blown off. So he's taken quite a bit of damage there. And uh, basically, the point is that, you know, if Hughes were there, that would actually inspire some caution in the EMEA squad. But Osamu just doesn't have enough power to end that. And so Yuma ducks from behind some cover and Nina starts to get kind of cocky. He's got his hands in his pockets as per usual. And he's like, Amatori can't shoot people, huh? And he says, if not, the match is over. Amatori's trying aside. You have no tool that can bring us down. And Yuma says... Well, sorry, I couldn't go along with your request, but Osama will be the one to defeat you. And Inumiya replies, Mikumo doesn't pose the slightest threat to us. And Yuma says, come on, Inumiya. That's a ridiculous lie, and you know it. Aw. So. This is like where, like, you start sweating hyperventilating. <gasps> this is where, like, the theme music starts to slowly ramp up, you know? So they launch another uh, attack. Uh. Osamu uses his thruster to launch something. He I guess his scorpion. He, yeah, he, well, he throws his thruster. Or his he throws his thruster. It's 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 like a two mounted attack. So like, yes. o- Osamu throws his thruster directly back at Ninomiya, and then the the uh, uh, Uega, holy crap, throws his shuriken. Uh, yeah, Yuma rather, and the other guy blocks the thruster, and then they just make a shield for the scorpion. And uh, so both of those are blocked. And at that moment, Chica fires from her sniping position, but and straight towards Neomiya. But oh, it gets through a shield. But Inuka just sticks his arm out and absorbs it instead. So Neomiya takes doesn't isn't doesn't get weighted down at all. So, oh, no, Chica's position has been revealed. They're fucked. And oh, she was using a lead bullet. Of course, she didn't use a real bullet. She can't shoot at them. So they think so. Neomiya is like, all right. Fires Ninomiya fires a bunch of meteors at Chica's position. She summons her same prismatic shield to protect herself, so she's still okay. And then he orders Inukai and Suji off, and is like, "Go, go get Amatori." And so he's thinking, "Yeah, I'll just take these two guys on myself." So Inukai and Suji both rush towards her, uh, and so they're like, "Oh, what's going to happen? How is Tamakoma going to respond?" But Karasuma thinks to himself, "This is what Osama wanted. He wanted this two-on-one." Osama orders Chika to defend herself with lead bullets. Try to take down either Inukai or Suji. Kuganai will be taking down Nina Mia. And we begin the next chapter from that point. Chapter 195, Chika Amatori, part nine. I'm not, I don't remember these characters' names anyway. So, <laughs> uh, that's Miwa and Yoga or something like that. It's, it's the spear dude in Miwa. Miwa doesn't look nearly as spiky and antagonistic as she usually does <laughs> like i don't know if the dude like got a new girlfriend and she's really into like making sure she's like groomed and presentable or something like that 
I had to make sure that I wasn't calling this guy Karasuma when I saw him. That's all I, <laughs> I saw him and I was like, is that Karasuma? No, it's not. <laughs> uh, so, yeah. Me was like, so Yunea, the spear guy, says, well, that was a waste of, her, of an opportunity to snipe. You know, she could have used a lightning or an ibis and it would have, you know, ended one of them. But instead she shot a lead bullet. So I guess she just can't shoot people. But Miwa says, well, it's Mikamo who's giving the orders. So don't blame Amatori. He hasn't found the resolve to tell her to shoot anyone. And sure enough, he has just told her to defend herself with lead bullets. So... More analysis by the commentary. Konami is saying if Osama can knock an email off balance, then Kuka can sneak in there and win. Uh, nickname guy says is confused and he's thinking to himself, I mean, this is weird to be splitting up the squad now, you know, wanting to take down Chica. So this is weird. And so they're like, you know, why are they why are they all doing this? Nidimia switches to his full attack mode. Gonna launch all the bullets. Uh, and. But. The guy says, like, this is how Ninamiya is now. He's responding to techniques with techniques and to tactics with tactics in order to crush them, as opposed to, you know, just crushing them with overwhelming force. So Konami suddenly realizes something and she just starts to, like, stand up. She's like, we got it wrong. And at that moment, as Suji instead of going after Chika, he goes off of a wall and goes after Osamu, rushes in. And then at that moment... Hughes goes now and there's a two page spread of Chica shooting through the window from her new sniping position, launching a beam and Inukai sees it and warns Suji. He turns around and is sends out like three shields to try and block it. And it just tears through them and blows him the fuck up. Well, he does that thing like, too. Cause he expects, yeah, he expects it to be a lead bullet. So he just grabs like a fucking floor tile and he's like, <laughs> and it just breaks through. And he's like, ah, oh, shit. It's not a lead bullet. <laughs> <laughs> There's a massive explosion. Ninami is like, what the fuck? And Osama launches some bullets at him. Ninami is like, haha, flash stuff. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, gotcha. <laughs> so he thinks he's dodged the, the bullets. Osama reacts in shock. Konami goes, ah! <laughs> <laughs> And um, nickname guys like, ah, oh, so close, Asamu. If only you'd gone for a spread shot. If only you had more experience as a shooter. Yuma's up in the air, bearing down. Everyone in the audience is reacting. There's even, uh, what? Well, because it's, not... it's, it's Ninomiya has the kill shot. He's ready. He's yeah, got you, all of his... Uega's, Uega's defenseless in the air. He's going to get just massacred right here. <laughs> Uega's the other glasses boy. <laughs> Yuma, whatever. Yuma Kuga. So... Everyone in the audience is reacting like, oh, it's all over there. I forget the long hair guy's name, but he's like literally face falling. Ah, they're so close. Oh, uh, oh, God. Who the fuck is that? Because it's not Azuma because he doesn't have a beard. No, so. is it the is that the dorky dude? I don't remember. Is that, like the, is that like the dorky rich guy? I, so I think that's the rich guy. The part he's on a Zumi squad, but he's the one nobody likes. Might be, I, I think. I don't remember. So, Tora's just watching and she's just kind of like got this grim look on her face. But right next to her, Karasuma, at the same time as Osamu, they both say, We win. And suddenly the bullets that, that Osamu launched at Ninomiya bend through the air and riddle him with holes. And it was like, That was a hound? <laughs> and Ninomiya's like, Was he hiding a hound? 
No. Those earlier bullets, those were hound shots with the tracking turned off. And so this whole time they thought, oh, no, he couldn't he couldn't carry both because, you know, he doesn't have enough try on. And you was saying like, oh, so maybe he'll abandon the, the wire strategy because he doesn't have enough try on. And he was like, he actually utilizes lack of try on. Oh, our boy got him to just got him to just completely underestimate him. And so now Nima is full of holes, taking off his balance. Yuma uses grasshoppers to rebound through the air and summons a blade through his leg to stab him through the stomach. And Nimi is forced to bail out. And so now there's only the one guy left in all of Nimi's squad. It's uh, Inukai, who has found Chika's sniping position. And he comes, approaches her casually and is like, nice kill. And she just says, thank you. And then he shoots her. You just hear rat tat tat like, oh, Jesus. I got confused the first time I read this chapter and I was just like, did Inukai just like leave her there before reporting? As, and then I got confused when the numbers didn't add up. I was like, oh, no, no, he took out. Oh, yeah, he just murdered her. <laughs> so he reports to Ninami and, and says, hey, I don't think that this the rest of this match is going to actually affect the season ranking. So do you want me to keep fighting? And Ninami just sits up having gotten his ass kicked. He's like, just retreat. Okay, Inokai bails out. The match is over. Konami is crying tears of joy as she stands up and celebrates. And the announcement is declared that the winner of round eight of the B Wars, B Rank Wars, upper tier night division is Tamakoma 2. They didn't just get the two points they needed, they got the whole thing, basically. So. They did it! Hooray! They did it! Ba 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 And Osamu got his big moment finally! Ba 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 And I love the final shot of the two of them. Like, Osamu is, like, reacting in shock. Yuma's on his back with, like, his hands missing. He's like, moment of triumph yeah holy crap so i already announced this on twitter this is the chapter of the weekend the mvp uh there's some interesting chapters this week and i know after like the chapters came out i know like ninja x3i messaged me he's like do you feel still so feel confident about that and i was like yes nothing comes close to this moment this is this is world triggers like storytelling six years in like payoff essentially like we've had if when you include the hiatus, a ridiculously long amount of time of people being like, is Osamu worthy of being the captain of this group? Can he actually mm-hmm. like get through here? And you sit there and you're like, you had the small moments where he helped like Uega beat worse teams. Like the, doing it. <laughs> I don't care. At this point, you know who the fuck I'm talking about. He helps he helps Yuma beat like weaker teams. And that's like an okay moment. But this was the best team in all the yeah. B, in all the this B rank basically, wars. This is basically the antagonist of this arc, essentially. And, so. and they've established that they're like, this is essentially an A rank team. Yeah, they're just they're just down here because of politics. So it's like okay, like this is a big moment. So for for Osamu to finally have that moment it's the fucking most satisfying feeling and it all makes sense you're kind of like oh so this is why we had that weird explanation of how like hound homing missiles want like work like two chapters Mm -hmm. previously and stuff like that but it all works like every moment of this feels fucking well deserved 
Yeah. I mean, this is the first time that Osama really was like the guy who got them the win because it was his strategy, uh, his ability to bluff uh, and manipulate people's expectations. He held off on Chica's ability to uh, exp- revealing that Chica had the confidence to shoot people until the moment it mattered the very most. Even when Hughes was down, uh, even when it, things looked really bad for them with Yuma being cornered, they managed to pull it off. And it's because of his strategy. And also, he was the one who essentially struck the most essential blow of all of them. Yeah. Uh, make sure that Nina Mia got taken out. Because if they didn't take out Nina Mia, they would have still not gotten enough points at the end. Because Inukai would have taken out Chica, and Nina Mia would have taken the two of them out. They would have been one point short. But instead, they, you know, won the whole thing. So. Yeah. So. Very satisfying moment. I, I One Love. thing you mentioned in there that I'm kind of curious about. Do you think... Because they, they kind of mentioned, like, oh, Samu didn't tell her to to, to shoot. That's the big weakness. And it, it he doesn't, ultimately. Hughes is the one to give that command. So I wonder if that's going to play into the next chapters, that Hughes kind of took it upon himself. Because they mentioned even after he got eliminated, he's like, there's still stuff I could do. So I wonder mm-hmm. if it was him, like, I know Samu won't ever give you that command, or he he lacks the confidence Possibly. to do it, yeah. but I'm I'm going to make sure it happens, because that's I'm, the key to victory. I'm focused on victory, yeah. and I don't care about your stupid human feelings. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck off, losers. How old are you? Six? That's old enough to want to kill someone. <laughs> <laughs> what a fucking satisfying goddamn chapter. Oh, Holy wonderful. shit, man. All right. We got another good chapter to talk about. My Hero Academia, chapter 267, Flames. Uh, featuring everyone's new favorite girl, Mirko, on the front cover. That happened very quickly. Yeah. She's surrounded by rabbits. Well, They're vicious creatures. They'll eat everything. Uh-huh. Sometimes they like to force themselves down other creatures' throats, though. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> so... More of the Tokoyami and Hawks relationship uh, used in this chapter. Uh, going back to more of their time uh, training together. Uh, actually, God, that's a really weird moment. I just re- recognized the detail. So there's a part where Tokoyami and Hawks are just like perched on like a rooftop and a power pole. And uh, Hawks explains like, if I have like one weakness, it's fire because, you know, my wings can burn. Tokoyami's like, well, then how do you counter it? Is it with darkness? And he's like, well, no, I just (laughs) I I strike a villain before they can use it. Do you send your darkness powers against it? That's that's you, Tokoyami. (laughs) But we are both bird boys. Don't you have a dark thing? No. (laughs) Where is your dark spirit bird to send out? (laughs) Where in which we learned the Tokoyami is a little bit stupid. <laughs> Why didn't you just play the guitar? That's that's you too, buddy. <laughs> um, but something I didn't realize until literally just now is that Hawks's admirers and fangirls are apparently on the street below them, and they're like, "Ah, Hawks!" And their like hearts are floating up towards him. And he catches one. <laughs> he physically interacts with their a symbol of their affection. So. There you go. In the present, Tokoyami and Mudball Man and Shimage and Kaminari are all inside the Fat Taxi now. I did not think that Fat Gum was that big, but apparently he can easily just put four children inside of himself and run around no problem. And he even gets a freaking... 
logo for this technique, which reads Fat, Fat Taxi. Taxi. Personal ride Personal rideshare. <laughs> and there are some weird comments that are made about this. There's the discussion of why are we running away? And Fat Gum explains, well, we got used you guys because you have these wide range quirks that were really helping us to do crowd control in a pinch and take them off their guard. But now everyone's mixing it up. So your techniques have a real chance of just causing as much harm as good. So now we're going to let the net close in and get you guys to safety. Makes sense. They're less experienced heroes. They've utilized them to the best of their abilities. Let's get you kids to safety. But as this is going on, Shimage makes the comment, it's nice and warm in here. And Kaminari agrees, wouldn't mind living in here. You wouldn't mind living inside of another human being's flesh. Maybe Kaminari is the traitor, Chris. <laughs> yeah. you know, there's, just, there's a few psychopathic indicators like, with him. <laughs> but apparently one of Tokoyami's birdhead abilities is the is long-range sight because he sees the explosion of flame burst out of the window of the building where Dobby is fighting with hawks. He apparently thinks about him. Oh. Anyway, we cut over to that scene. And Dobby straight up says that Hawks is killed twice. So that is the assumption I will operate under until uh, it is demonstrated otherwise. Because there's a bloody corpse there on the ground. So <laughs> Yeah, it's pretty fucked up. There's like a sign. There should be like a sign. as why it's like, he's dead. Stop, 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 you know, <laughs> contemplating and theorizing. His, his last moment, like next to him is the last will and the testament he just signed. I'm dead. <laughs> <laughs> he's like. His final, also, I'm the original clone. Yeah, he, his last words were like, "All of my affairs are in order now." Ugh. So Dobby is berating Hawks while also burning, seemingly his one remaining wing to ashes. It looks like, and you know, just blasting with waves of flame. So Hawks can't really do that whole "I strike before he could do that" thing. Um, and so Dobby is berating him and saying, like, how could you? How dare you kill? T- how dare you do- kill twice like that? And Hawks responds by going like, I mean, well, you've got a weird grit on your face. So is that the face of a man who just watched a friend die? And Dobby's like, hey, that's rude. I haven't cried since my tear ducts got all burned. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, and he says, like, yeah, of course I'm sad that he's gone because my dream had a fair chance of coming true with him around. So I'm so, so sad. Burn, 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 <laughs> stepping on him. But uh, Hawks, in what could be his last moments, uh, says that you and the league, you know, I looked into your backgrounds, but I couldn't come up with anything on you and Shigaraki. Only you two. Shigaraki, of course, it makes sense because everything was hidden by uh, one for all for one and Uchiko. Uh, but. You know, he's more curious now, especially because Dobby knows what his real name is. So uh, he recalls as he's asking Dobby who the hell he is, uh, you know, being taken away from his family, entering a special program, becoming a special hero. And then the people in the agency telling him, you know, the train's going to be rough. Can you handle it? And Little Hawks has an Endeavor action figure. And he says, can I be like him? Can I be a hero who beats the bad guys? Just like how I was saved, can I be a shining light for everyone? And Hawks demands to know who Dobby is, and Dobby answers. <laughs> so, Dobby's identity is one important, and two, not getting revealed just yet. 
because the entire text bubble is blacked out. Well, it's interesting because the way this would go, obviously we'll find out in the next couple chapters, but he reveals himself. Like, we the audience don't know, but Hawks knows. And that's why yes. I was like, well, Hawks dies in this chapter. Yes. But he doesn't. So maybe we'll find out really soon. Like Maybe. Maybe it'll be like in Justice League where, you know, Lex Luthor takes over Flash's body. He's like, well, at least I can find out the Flash's identity. I have no idea who this is. <laughs> I'm Joe Schmeggy. Who's that? <laughs> well, so I guess nobody knows all my... Well, I, I under the assumption it's Endeavor's son, nobody knows right. what Endeavor's that, family the, name the, would be. That son, right. Because I was going to say... He should just immediately when he hears the name fucking shout it out to I guess you wouldn't want to endanger the he kid by making him a target, but I would be like, wouldn't you immediately just tell fucking uh Tokuyami once he shows up like, hey, in case I just get murdered, here's what the disabled is like this seems like a really important clue spread word. Send your big stupid bird to go tell somebody. <laughs> Why don't you send your your shadow bird to tell somebody? <laughs> no! <laughs> no, almost have god damn it! <laughs> what did I teach you to at school? The regular problems that Tokoyami encounters in his social life. <laughs> like when they're like planning the, the school festival, he's like, why don't we invite everyone's dark shadows to have a party? <laughs> no, Tokoyami, goddamn! <laughs> I don't understand. Why don't the villains are too far, but let's all just send out our dark shadow birds to attack them. <laughs> I, I'm sorry. What do you think your power is if you think everybody has dark shadow birds? I thought it was this bird head. Nobody else has one. Yeah, so sweet. <laughs> By the way, all of you look insanely ugly to me with your noses. <laughs> God, your your dark shadow birds must feel so stupid and ugly when you don't have a matching real bird head. <laughs> How do they even know that they belong to you without their matching heads? <laughs> Maybe they get mixed up all the time. Maybe that's why you don't think you have dark shadows. Maybe they got lost. <laughs> Did you ever think about that, huh? It's like it's a shot of like some of the people afterwards. Like, I don't know. He kind of had some good points. How do we know we don't have dark shadow birds? <laughs> like a few of them have like crisis of conscience. <laughs> I'm just saying, if my dark shadow bird's out there and he's lost somewhere, I gotta find him. Like one of those things where like, you know, someone happens to make the observation and it's along the lines of like, how do you know you're really awake? Something like that. And they're like, I mean, you know, I mean, I just never thought about it. You know, what if I do just have a dark shadow bird that I've just never seen before? I've never thought about my shadow bird that's been out there secretly hungering for more power, but also so lonely. <laughs> All right. So Dobby tells Hawks this. And then he says, more than twice, more than anyone, you should have been keeping both eyes on me. The League, Shigaraki, I never gave a crap about them. A single person with a single conviction has the power to change the world. There are no true heroes. I plan to make Stain's will a reality. Which is interesting because... I mean, this was something that he said at the very beginning when he was first introduced, like, I'm a fan of Stain and I'm going to and I'm joining this you know, league to make his will a reality. That's what he said all the way back then. 
he just hasn't really talked about it a whole lot. It occasionally gets brought up, but it is, you know, nice to have this little thing of like, yeah, Dobby doesn't care about all this bullshit the League of Villains is doing. He's just doing this because it helps to make his vision reality. It also kind of starts to make sense why there were a lot of very significant scenes with the League of Villains that Dobby was just never present for. And you realize now you're like, oh, because maybe it would have kind of revealed to us the audience a bit more that Dobby really is only interested in himself. Like, well, you know, moments that had to do more with like, you know, for example, you know, even when they were when Dobby even was around, like they were having that whole big thing with, uh, you know, Toga got injured twice, you know, was desperately trying to save her. Meanwhile, Dobby was off going and fighting the you know, Parker dude and was just heavily involved in that fight. No emotional connections with anyone. No, like, go and get him, Shigaraki. You're just yeah. like, find this person. I want to fight this ice dude because I'm fire, dude. Just makes sense. So he says, see ya, Hawks. Your life's another thing I don't care about. And oh, it looks like there's a bright light. And oh, the, the, the Hawks is going to fade away. We cut down to where Gigantamaki is still carefully observing his radio, which nothing is coming out of yet. Uh, then we cut over to the hospital where Mirko is still fighting the high-end Nobu, and she thinks to herself, I'm not landing hits on these guys anymore, and it's not because I'm getting worn down. I mean, I'm more familiar with my body to know that. It's like they're awake now. So this is bad. And she's like, you know, I'm having a fun time fighting, but I got no choice. And so she instead does a tactical retreat to try and get to the doctor. But one of the high ends launches these like nasty, like head tentacle things at her, which start to cut through her. She's trying to dodge down corridors and get and escape from them in order to get to the doctor. And she's thinking to herself, like, just focus on running. If you're going to die, get the job done first, Mirko. And she flies down the corridor. She's right there in front of the doctor who has another huge freak out at seeing her. Um, He's still working what? on the. What's shooting out of his nose? Because it almost looks like it has a reflective rainbow in it towards the bottom. <laughs> like, wh- what is that at that point? But the head tentacle Nomu manages to catch her from behind. One of the tentacles pierces right through her fucking leg as she raises up in an axe kick. Uh, shin splints like, are the worst. Ugh. So she's like, ah, and she's not done yet. And she thinks to herself, a hero never, ever gives up. And at that moment, two things happen. And I will say, it took me multiple flips between these pages to figure out what the fuck happened. So the first thing that happens is the Tokoyami arrives on the scene where Hawks and Dobby are fighting. I don't know what happens. It looks as though Dobby may have stumbled well there's i think it was because he was standing on top of hawks and the idea is tokoyami got him away i think yeah it looks like his bird pushed him away and he used his cape to like shield him yes that's what it looks like from the follow-throughs but we just see an image of like dobby standing there there's black flames in the air and hawks is not underneath him and then you see the next page and Hawks is alive and Tokiyami is has arrived there. But it's very difficult to determine exactly what happened. Mm. The other thing that happens is that Endeavor attacks the high end Nomu from behind that was attacking Mirko and her leg is able to get free as a result of that. But all you see 
is just a brief fire appearing behind the Nomu and then Endeavor crunching it from behind. And it's actually very difficult to tell that that is a Nomu because there's so much fire and sound effects on the page. So I didn't even, seems- I didn't even realize that was supposed to be the same. Like I knew he was yeah. punching a Nomu, but I didn't realize it was that one. I thought just Merku just like friendship victory effort her way through it. She's like, I'll never give up and smash it. I was just a completely unrelated scene of endeavor. So cool moments of big hero things. Yes. But honestly, difficult to tell what happens in the sequential art that, that explains what happens. Like, I don't like having to go over something four times for such a simple action to understand what happened. Mm. But, hey, the people that looked like they were uh, the two heroes that looked like they were on the verge of getting killed and failing uh, might end up surviving this. So we'll see how this goes. I mean, it's worth noting in the cover page for this art, they showed Mirko with a bionic arm. So and we already know Horikoshi's like, she's my favorite character to draw. So I feel like that's a pretty good reason to understand, like, she's probably going to come back, guys. I think that she has also gotten quite popular with readers. Oh, yeah. Very so I would understand if you were to like, I'm just going to. I'm just gonna keep her around. <laughs> the, the one that the one that kills me though is Hawks. Cause I really I don't mind the we're not going to tell you my name yet. I'm telling it to you, but the audience doesn't get to know. That is a super risky move because it is super easy to just frustrate the audience unless you have a real dramatic reason to do it. But if this was like Dobby's last way of being like Hey, I'm just going to name drop my name and it's going to fucking make you miserable before you die. But now that Hawks should and now he's like, God damn it. Yeah. Like not Hawks should live. I'm like, either he's going to, for no reason, just not tell everybody his name. Or we should have just found out at that point what Dobby's because I don't know if you're going to have a more dramatic moment to reveal it. Like un- unless Dobby meets Endeavor and he's like, Hey, I'm your son. I'm like, I guess that's a more narratively interesting moment to reveal. But if not, like, that seems like the moment to reveal it. The only thing that I can think to justify uh, Hawks not revealing it is that there would be a reason to not want to reveal it to everyone. So it remains a small number of people who know the truth. So, for example, he might, after they get away from this, he might say, like, hey, listen, I need to tell you something, but... You can only tell us to these particular people. So I'm trusting you to do that. Uh, Something along those lines. But I definitely do agree that there is reason to think that there might have been a dramatic moment opportunity missed in this. Mm. Anyhow, let's move on to Actage chapter 108 star. It's not the thing that looked like was going to happen at the end of the last chapter where Chiyoko and Kay were going to have a who can do the best Ogami impression. They start to do that and then food arrives and they're like, forget this and they eat instead. (laughs) It's actually one of the few times I've gotten like a really good laugh out of of Act Age where they're about to do this big dramatic thing and then you're like, all right, Kay's just a poor bitch. It's like they were like, "Here's the most tasty meat on the planet." She's like, "Who's so much better?" And her, so she, good. She's completely distracted from this point on. It's completely forgotten about it. And Ogami's just like, "Hey, I was the center of attention. What the fuck?" There is um, a scene that happens in the title page that I think we're meant to 
believe actually happens mm. where the little girl that we saw in the restaurant uh, gets autographs from Ogami and Chiyoko and Kay, which is very cute. because They're all, you know, bending down to her and stuff. Um, then we just kind of like have a series of kind of small character moments through the rest of the series, uh, through the rest of the chapter, rather. Uh, things settle down after everyone eats and drinks and a number of them have like passed out or just are being drunk idiots. Chiyoko goes over to Kuriyama and is like, hey, are we so are you and I finished? And Kuriyama's like, be careful how you talk, which I guess is meant to imply like people are gonna think that I'm like taking advantage of you or something, which is creepy because he's like, well, like right. Yeah, like or they're in a relationship. You and I are finished being like a pretty common breakup term. Right. Um, but she says, Well, this whole time you've been looking through me at Yunagi. Next time I'm going to make you love me. <laughs> yeah, I really like in the the abridged version of the scene. That's where they animate a small hand with a knife, like folding <laughs> up from the bottom of the page, because that's a put big tint on it. Yeah. yeah. Um, Kuriyama just replies with, "I don't direct, direct I don't direct actors that I don't love." Um, there's a little bit of talking with. Okami You're telling me you really love fucking chick that was the one who got into stars instead of K at the very start of the series, but no one actually gives a fuck about. He's yes. like, he's like, I sometimes you have to just direct like six <laughs> people. That are, <laughs> sometimes, sometimes you play the hand you dealt. Okay. Sometimes to direct two or three people you're really interested in, you direct a couple of duds. It happens. Um. There's a weird moment where Chiyoko apologized to Ogami because they forgot about the competition, and he says, No problem. You've graduated from doing impressions right. I knew about you since you were a kid, but you've turned her into a babe. Weird! Uh, <laughs> at least he's younger than Kurayama, but weird. Um, she remembers the conversation that Ricky had with her and Araya where Araya said, this woman and I are still evolving. Yunagi is the one you're really here to play with. It's us. And Ogami now agrees and says he was right. We still haven't had enough fun. So it's movie time now, right, Kuriyama? We're ready. Meanwhile, Araya has gotten doodled on his face because he passed out in the last chapter. So I do like somebody okay. noting as well. They're like, hey, thanks for doing it. Like, what are you talking about? Parzo was there. like, we have children here. Like, there are <laughs> minors here. They have things to do tomorrow. They have to go home. <laughs> uh, most people seem to go home, but because there's a few empty chairs. So I'm not sure if people have gone home or if there's chills or sanka. Like, they're just winding down or what. They but Kriyam talked about Hanako. And <laughs> Hanako says, So you were popular tonight. And he's like, Well, you were awake. She says, I can't, I'll never direct a play again. In fact, I can't even imagine wanting to paint or write anymore. I no longer need to create. I have no reason to. I'm finally free. And Kuriyama says, good. I envy you. So this is a little weird. Um, I don't know. It honestly kind of reminds me of, so I know you don't read Epo, Chris, but there's kind of a running gag um, among some people because a lot of the people that Ippo boxes with, uh, after fighting with him, his opponents realize that they basically will never be as good as him, so they just retire. So <laughs> it kind of feels like that, where it's just like, well, we got introduced to this character, and now they're retiring, and we'll never see them again. 
I'm, I know with creators, it's very different than with athletes. Like you can retire and then come back to it, I'm sure. But it was weird to have this whole thing happen. And then her be like, and I'm never going to be creative again. <laughs> Good for you. <laughs> yeah. What are you playing? To? She's like, I'm going to be an assistant manager at a Joanne Fabrics, just like I had in my dreams. Like, I mean, that's great. That's a fine job. It's weird you're that convicted about that specific of a position. She's like, I'll take a Michaels as well. I'd prefer a Joanne's Fabrics, but I'll settle for Michaels. I mean, working at a fabric store and supplies and craft store, uh, wouldn't you, you know, utilize that to, you know, like be creative in your off time? No, no, no. In fact, if they ever... If they ever, if they, if I ever forced to sign anything, I'll consider that too much of art, and I'll refuse to do it. Like, okay. I, mean, I think that they encourage their employees to like do those kinds of hobbies so that they have greater knowledge of like I'll kill them. Okay, so anyway, <laughs> I'll slice their goddamn their goddamn bellies open, stuff them full of straw, and hang them up like straw like, like scarecrows. Like, see, you say that that's kind of creative though. Like, there's some art to that. That, I mean, that requires conviction and planning and, <laughs> dare I say it, creative use of your supplies. <laughs> All right. Kay wakes up the next day. She immediately freaks out and is like, oh, I've got to rehearse. But her sister just tells her the play's over, which... I thought that we were going to see another performance, but I guess not. Okay. No, they, they finished it. And they're having the after party. Right. So that's all done. Um, Kay's like, oh, sorry. Okay, I'll make us breakfast. And her sister says, you don't have to. It's ready. Because, well, Arisa is there, the producer of stars. And she's. And there's another guy. <laughs> there's also another guy. There, not... There's just a grown adult also there who nobody knows. He doesn't say anything either. So I don't know if we've seen this guy before. I get the impression he's like her driver or assistant or maybe he's the guy from Uber Eats because they mentioned Uber Eats in this by name. That's what I was thinking. I was like, maybe it's the Uber Eats guy. Somebody just said he's the uh, he's Arissa's to do, which is a very funny joke. If you've played Fire Emblem Three Houses, because he does look exactly like to do and seem to have the exact same role. Um, But yeah, I'd be like. So, yeah, Mr. Hom here. Yeah, um, like, uh, what's happening to my home? So, Arisa is there, and they, she's got, like, basically microwave meals, almost, it looks like, for the kids. I know that it's much more customary to have, like, these kind of bentos in Japan and stuff, so maybe it's not microwave. But anyway, she's like, what the hell is with your habits? I mean, like, do you have a skincare regimen or a hair care regimen? You can't just coast on, coast on your potential forever. You've got to get packing so we can move you out of here. This place has no security. You can't get by on your youthfulness forever. You need to learn what, that mean, what it means to be an actress. You hear me? And she's like, uh, yeah. Um, what's going on? <laughs> I guess, like, this chapter was good. It had, like, two really solid, because I did laugh, too, when she's like, by the way, I tried to make breakfast, but I completely ruined it, so I got Uber Eats instead. Like, the idea that she took it upon herself, like, I'm gonna go over, I'm gonna make food for Kay's, uh, Kay's younger siblings. Ah, fuck it, I can't cook. I'm just gonna order them McDonald's instead. And I like how Kay starts to, like, ask, ask the obvious question of, like, if you can't cook, never mind. Why are you here? <laughs> why did why did you bring an apron? Can he not cook as well? 
question. Like, because he's there, too. Do you think that she was like, all right, put on this apron. We're going to make food. All right, call Uber Eats. (laughs) I'm not touching that phone. You do it. (laughs) I don't have the app installed. I'm not poor. (laughs) So, um, Apparently, she was expecting that Kuriyama would tell Kay about this because she's been chosen as the campaign girl for Matoya Pharmaceutical's Sheer Water brand. And uh, then she shakes Kay's hand and says, I'm your manager for the job, so let's get started. We're going to make you a star of the people. Starting today, you'll be busy with commercials and interviews for a while, but don't worry. This is a path Chiyoko's been down to. You know, it's like, hey, you know, both Chiyoko and Kay are trying to become, to utilize what they know about each other to become stronger by utilizing what each is what the other is strong at to make themselves stronger. So, Kay, you're going to get into commercial uh, advertising and uh, like standard advertising portfolio. Uh, Chiyoko, we're going to throw you off cliffs until you really gather that innate sense of survival instinct. Remember what Tom Hooper did to Anne Hathaway? We're going to do way worse than that to you. <laughs> going to make you dirty and crying every scene you shoot. <laughs> One take. So, you don't get a cut. We're not going to let you stand up to get a breath to, do, to hit the high notes? Fuck you. What <laughs> the I f- have to sing. Yes. What the fuck are you talking about? We're not going to dub you over afterwards. <laughs> So she says, Arisa says to, to Kay that she has to learn how to present herself in public. And so she takes her to see an expert. And uh, we see a little bit of this new character conversing with someone. And she's just, you know, making remarks like, oh, it's so, such a pain. I can't believe she's assigning me to babysit some newbie. Uh, but there's a familiar face with her saying like, hey, come on. You agreed to it. You're a nice person. Shh, dude, shut up. Kay arrives, uh, is told to come in, and she enters, and oh my gosh, it's Akira. He is there with a tiny girl. And so, of course, she says, Akira, and the girl is like, hey, am I invisible? And she headbutts Akira's face. There's a bonk sound effect, and he seems to spew blood from his mouth, so... So she says, greet your senpai properly. It's basic etiquette, right? Uh... And she's like looking way up at Kay. She's like shooting around like, oh, I get to know how to greet people. How am I supposed to work with you? And Kay's just thinking like, she's so cute because it's, you know, a little eight-year-old girl. And the girl who we're introduced to is Satsuki Maino, an actor for stars, says, I think you were thinking that I'm cute. Well, knock it off. Only the audience in Akira. I mean, only the audience can look at me as cute. Oh, she's got a crush on a much older boy. Poor girl. That's the end of the chapter. So... We're moving past the whole play thing. It's over. It's done with. <laughs> so I actually I am more excited for this arc because I do kind of just want to see what they could do with K with like, hey, you're going to be doing commercial. Like, let's move back to commercials. Let's instead of having plays where it's like, all right, we need you to channel the innermost like hatred within your heart and your greatest turmoils. Let's just do something safe. Uh, and I was pretty excited until like the last three pages because who oh boy do I not like this new character already? That is an awful start. Hate every but second I'm a of it. Aren't I likable? <laughs> it's like, hey, you know that like the, the scene in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood where they have Leonardo no. DiCaprio interact with like the little girl and it's no. At, well, regardless, for a moment it's kind of cute, but then like it very quickly becomes something much more than that. I really oh, hope no, I'm, stuck. I'm stuck with this little girl. <laughs> yeah, I really hope it's it's like the same thing here. We're very quickly we kind of 
move past it because this is just not the character I'd want to hang out with the whole time. This ain't it, Chief. Yeah, <laughs> as the, this ain't eating Chief. Yeah. Um, I don't really know how I feel about her. I do think it's very interesting to see that uh, Arisa is actually going to be working with Kay, whom she because she's been saying the entire time, I don't like it. I don't like the fact that she's going to hurt herself. So, yeah, we'll see how yeah. that dynamic plays out. All right. Let's move on to briefly talking about Spy Family. We got a short chapter this week, a short mission three. And oh, my gosh, it's so adorable. It's so we say short uh, chapter. I guarantee we're going to talk about this 15 minutes between fucking Henry K. Niner jokes and all this sort of shit. So Anya is uh, watching TV um, and it's not Bond Man. Uh, it's a different cartoon. It's like G.I. Joe with animals, basically. And so she's watching it with Bond. And all of a sudden, uh, you know, she's like, hey, look, look, Bond, that white bear looks like you. And then all of a sudden, bang, bang, and freaking, oh, no, Private Peggy's been hit. And then there's like a dramatic death scene. <laughs> and it's the bears crying over Private Peggy, Peggy. And it's like, ah! And then at that moment, Lloyd's like, it's time for bed. <laughs> <laughs> So Anya's like, I want to sleep with my penguin tonight because the penguin got shot. And Lloyd's like, fine. <laughs> After the penguin, Anya cuddles up with it and Bond is watching from the doorway and glaring at the penguin. Anya wakes up the next day <laughs> and the penguin's been ripped up and she's like, my penguin is dead. <laughs> be great and Bond just like walking in just like oh what is going on in here no there cannot be a crisis this week my schedule is already full who could have done such a thing <laughs> we should perhaps alert a mystery to everybody so Anya looks at the penguin and is like agent penguin man which is the best name and Lloyd looks at the penguin and is like, well, there's bite and claw marks here. So immediately Anya looks at Bond and Bond is thinking like, penguin bad, hate him, took Anya. So it was you. <laughs> so Anya's immediately like, you did this, Bond. I hate you. And Bond just makes his jaw drop so, but oh, and he goes and whines and lowers his head in the corner. <laughs> <laughs> So I thought I, I started having to look up Henry Kissinger quotes just so I could like channel them. And I just found one that it was just in, in his essay, Perpetual Peace. The philosopher Immanuel Kant argued that perpetual peace would have actually come to the world in one of two ways, by human insight or by conflicts and catastrophes of a magnitude that left humanity no other choice. That stupid bitch penguin found out which one was happening to him. <laughs> <laughs> so bond goes and mopes in the corner and yours says don't worry anya i'm sure i can sew it up for you you can resurrect it and she tears it up even worse <laughs> it's my favorite that he moves away and they're like don't worry we'll fix them up and then they go over and look like jesus christ <laughs> it looks like a murder scene <laughs> so anya's like ah <laughs> so so Lloyd says, I'll buy you a new one. And of course, Anya's like, I don't want a new one. I love him. He was a gift for you. It's like, 
I mean, this is a very six-year-old thing to do. Mm. My parents occasionally tell me the story of how I was, when I was a very, very young, I had like a big bird doll and it would occasionally get so dirty that they would take it away from me to put in the washing machine. And they had a substitute big bird doll that was all, you know, nice and new. And when I felt it and I felt that it was not all torn up and smelly like the one that I normally went to bed with, I got really upset and threw it out of my crib. So it's like, it's not the same. Fuck you, mom and dad. You got to give me the right. I want Mr. Agent Penguin, man. So, so Lloyd's like, all right, I'll fix them up for you. Eat your breakfast and study and I'll, and I'll do it. So. You know, Lloyd is you know trudging around the 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 house. Uh, Lloyd um, operates on Agent Penguin Man while Yor looks on, very very <laughs> tensely. It's it's a as, very nice little detail that she's so invested in this. It's as though world peace was going to be. De- I mean, I guess it is in their world. World peace is being determined whether or not this penguin gets fixed. Sonia is studying and she's kind of sniffling to herself. And then uh, Lloyd's like, hey, amended it on you. Um, and she notes like, oh, he looks all Frankenstein because there's very obvious stitch patterns on everything. And Lloyd's like, it was the best I could do. And then he says, and Frankenstein was the doctor, not the monster, which is the most Lloyd thing to say to a, to a small child. Just say <laughs> like, no. Have, haven't you ever read Mary Shelley's perennial classic? <laughs> Just so you <laughs> know. Common recommend <laughs> the recommended reading age is 13 what's wrong with you it's <laughs> a common misconception the frankenstein monster doesn't actually have a name the doctor is frankenstein pop culture obviously gets this thing wrong and attributes both parts to uh, the same character Fine. all right <laughs> <laughs> he's like mm, you win this time <laughs> so lloyd's like uh for a war, your scars are badges of honor. They're proof of how our hard aged pigment man has fought for peace. And he's like, oh, badges of honor. <laughs> so then she sees uh, Bond spying through the doorway. He's got something in his mouth. It was war. Nick, and Nick, what does he have in his mouth? So Anya goes, what are you doing here, evil Bond? And Bond comes in through the doorway and she's got a ba- he's got a bag of peanuts in his mouth. He's offering them to Anya and Anya reads his mind and there's like little scribbles in his thought bubble. The the thoughts are too complicated for a dog to actually be able to process. So Anya's like, is he trying to apologize? And Lloyd says, he's probably asking for forgiveness. What do you think? Remember what Bond man says? Yesterday's enemy is today's friend. Oh, what a proper parent. He's been actually learning about his child's interests. So sweet. So Anya thinks about it, and then she picks up Asian Penguin Man and gets behind him to you know, act him out and waves this flipper. And he says, you griefishly wounded me, but I will accept these peanuts and bring an end to war. And then Anya pokes her head around the penguin and says, also, I'm sorry I said I hate you. And Lloyd tackles her all happy, and Anya seals the peace treaty by having them shake hands and... Lloyd just thinks to himself as they go back to playing, if only East-West relations could be mended so easily. This was fucking adorable. Brush your teeth after you read this chapter. It was so sweet. Little does the penguin realize those peanuts are tainted. They will poison him, thus ushering in the chance for my team to take the victory here. Days later, I do not understand why is the penguin not dead, and what does that? Why is Anya bedridden? (laughs) (laughs) 
I feel he can do something as complicated as poisoning penguins, but he doesn't know how to sing. He doesn't know that stuffed animals don't eat. I bet actually Anya eats them. He's like, no, stop it. The peanuts were for the penguin. The penguin. <laughs> I do not understand every time that she tries to feed the penguin, he just spits them back out into her hand. It is like he knows. <laughs> this is most troubling. No, the dogs do not eat peanuts. It, appe- That's a <laughs> it appears my opponent has learned and evolved. I must adapt my strategies. All right, Ian Zero. <laughs> All right. There's other chapters this week. In Zero, page 89, Herbert versus Fi. So we have Happy's uh, little analysis page. Two things. One, marksmanship, very high. Does Happy have marksmanship? I know he's guns. No, Rebecca does... <laughs> him for him. I was like, so does he have great marksmanship well, or does she? I guess that... The accuracy of a gun is a thing, like its consistency and how it actually fires along its sight. So I guess. But she was given it. But second, three stars in, quote, mechitude. What does mechitude mean? How much he is a mech? How much attitude he has as a mech a la Power Rangers? I don't know. Why is he only average with it? Shouldn't he be... He's a robot. <laughs> shouldn't he be better? He's an android. Shouldn't he have a lot of mechitude? Why just an okay amount of mechitude? Very concerning things. Maybe the amount to which he demonstrates the fact that he is a machine. So, for example, Pino would have a higher mechitude because she's obviously made of metal, but Happy, for the most part, looks like a cuddly cat. Uh, I guess that's what we're going to have to go with. I would be, I would be concerned if they did my rankings... And humanosity was like at a three out of five, and be like, "God, that's not good." What does that, what does that mean ultimately? Uh, so hey, we we follow up on the conversation last time. Hey, we gotta stop dragging Joe. And they mentioned, hey, he's the Dark Alchemist because of his ether gear and his underworld connections, and everything like that. But he also has another nickname, Undead Joe. And we see the Joe that's okay. waking up in that. <laughs> yeah, everyone's like, "Oh my God, what does that mean?" And Noah can't tell anymore because he's like. I like how the audio goes out before the video. That's completely not true to life. The video yeah. freezes up well before the audio goes goes out. Yeah, uh, he does manage to get one last like little blurb saying something like in world. Baba, I believe that you blah, 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 found that weakness. So he manages to conveniently deliver just as much information that is intriguing but none of the pertinent information right so we don't know what his weakness is and before rebecca could find out who he is the signal's lost so oh i guess we'll figure that out uh they do mention hey what does that mean being undead weiss has something saying like i think i may have heard that somewhere before so maybe there's a clue there but we cut over to Master Noah in Blue Garden. He says, there won't be a next time. This is my last chance. Also weird. I guess there won't be a next time feels weird because it feels like that should be the continuation of something. But he's saying this alone right. in his office. Uh, but he's like, hey, if we don't beat Trackage this time, I will die and Blue Garden will die with me. Okay. Uh, hey. He still doesn't realize that the call has been interrupted. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That'd be anyway, great. now I'll tell you how to defeat him. <laughs> Everything. Why aren't you actually responding to me? I You're just s- kind of staring now. I. 
in classic blue garden cryptic douchebag tradition, I saved all of the pertinent information till the very end of the message. Um, so we we cut over to the the hermit fight, and she's fighting against Fi Fi the fire guy, and he says a line where he shoots out fire everywhere, and he says, "Everybody knows a beak a bolt's weak against heat," which. Is one categorically not true, but two, I really hope it's the start of his gimmick where he just assumes everything's weak to fire. <laughs> like it's a guy made out of so he's like, everyone knows people made out of rock and metal weak to fire. They're like, well, popular media doesn't really support that, but no, no, everything's weak to fire. That pool of everybody water. Everybody knows that platinum is weak to fire. <laughs> everyone knows. knows fire extinguisher fluid is weak to fire. <laughs> everyone knows that pool of water don't stand a chance to some fire. Uh, so he. Plant, we exploit its weakness. Is that fire fire? It's fire! <laughs> I was like, well, if my only power was fire, I too would also firmly, hopefully believe everything could be defeated by fire. When all you've got is fire, everything looks like a forest. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> um, so he shoots fire, takes out some of her camouflage beams, and basically sees her, and he's like, ha, ah, now you won't be able to, like, hack stuff anymore. And he hits her a whole bunch. And he does the hero villain thing of being like, I'm going to get into some kind of like BDSM kink stuff a little bit. Tell me it hurts, sir, please. Uh, and then he he vanishes. He, he turns himself into like a little ball of fire. And he goes down a sewer grate. And he gets his way inside the building. And he's like, oh, my secret weapons dish. Because me real specialty is sniping. That's why I began this fight on the front lines. <laughs> that's 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 why I did the exact opposite when Bush came to shove. Uh, so he's like, "Oh, I'll, I'll put a flame bullet in you that explode it from your inside." And he's like, "Ah, oh, she's looking for me. She doesn't even know." And oh, I'm gonna blow up with my flame ether gear, flame ammo. Meanwhile, cuts the hermit's perspective, and he's like. <laughs> yeah, he's busy shouting from the fucking rooftop with his loud bullshit. Curse, mother, curse the fact that I've got to talk to myself on a constant basis where I'm alone. <laughs> oh, this is real messy stick wicked it is. Now there, pip, pip. Uh, he shoots his bullet. Hermit's like, gotcha. And she dodges the bullet. And then... She hacks all like, of the proper like Matrix yeah. style. There's like an after image of her cartwheeling out of the way. Yeah, she yeah as she specifically cartwheels away from the bullet, so it's very fancy. Then uh, she hacks into all of the Wi-Fi of the guns in his place. I guess um, I would have turned that off if I had known. <laughs> There was a big hacker coming up. I don't, Who knew there was a hacker among the group? I don't know if using like keeping Twitter and Instagram on your on your guns was worth it. But I have to put every single app on every one of my guns. Because <laughs> she does, she just does that. She she hacks into all of his guns. He's like, if you if you like went on the internet on one of his guns, he would have like nine bars at the top. So he's got to operate on a very tiny screen. Like you've got like so much malware on these, but I like those. <laughs> but if I don't ever turn them off, they always be powered and ready to go at a moment's notice. <laughs> 
how am I going to know which quarantine house of Harry Potter characters I'm going to stay at? <laughs> Did you just like checkmark everything whenever you installed something on these? <laughs> I always do express install near the custom. They know what's best for me machines. <laughs> oh, well, looks like the gun's frozen again. <laughs> Gotta go hard reset it. It's the hundredth time I've had to do it this week. <laughs> Time to go put it back on the wall for later at some point. <laughs> uh, oh, good. My hermit has hacked into your gun app, finished installing it, eh? <laughs> oh, that's right. Perfect timing, it is. Oh, no! Uh, yeah, she hacked into it. She knew exactly where he was because he's a fucking... They have thermo sensors, and he's a literal ball of fire at points. So, uh, it was super easy to find him. And she gives her line of, you have no help of ever making it as a sniper. Which is a great put honestly. You're never going to be a sniper. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, So she uses gun harvest and shoots him a whole bunch. Also, she felt the need to, like, digitize a hologram of herself there to actually make, like, the pointing gesture. Because that's super relevant. Uh, It's stupid, but I also like it. I mean, it's just what... I mean, I will say this. Phi was a stupid character. He was a stupid villain. His power set was bullshit. Seeing him get his hand, ass handed to him in this exact way is actually really <laughs> fun to me. Uh, and I do like that Hermit got to style on him uh, a bit with this, you know, you know what? I'm going to summon a hogger myself just so that I can make a gun with my, my hand and when I shoot all the guns. So uh, She notes that she gave all of the bullets an ether coating so it wouldn't be lethal because otherwise he would be super dead. Uh, and then there's a big explosion and she says, I did that because I can't, I can be kind because I do no pain. That is the way of my heart. And I like audibly retched when I heard it was, I was like, Ugh. it was really cheesy and stuff. It, it literally only come. There were obviously lines during their fight that literally were only put there. So then she could say like, I have a heart, you know, so it's. Uh, it was really reaching to try and have the like big dramatic line to end the fight on, and yeah, I didn't care for it much. Also, didn't really care much for all the talk about Joe's. Like, he's got another nickname. We barely focused on the Draken part of it at all. Did you know Draken's like a Kim Possible villain? Why are we calling him that? He's <laughs> undead Joe. There you go. That's way more, more intimidating. Uh, and also, apparently, there was a weakness that he revealed to Rebecca at some point. I guess I at know. some point we'll see something. I like ultimately the thing that annoyed me was i i hate the contrivance of like hey i i'm a character who knows all this important information and i specifically am in trying to impart this information to you but i saved all of it to the point where it's not convenient anymore like i know the way to defeat track and joe it's uh, 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 and that's how you would defeat him you just again use the uh, 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 click like fuck off man it's so exhausting <sighs> All right. <laughs> so, let's move on to Mashal, Chapter 11. Mash Vanded and the Unpopular Classmate. They're in the forest to have a class there. Mash doesn't know what's going on. Because, of course, he doesn't. Uh, Lance is also there. And we're introduced to a new character who's probably going to be a recurring character or part of the main cast, judging by how this chapter plays out. He looks... Quite a bit like Renji, 
honestly. Yeah. Uh, in terms of his hairstyle. And he is. How would you describe him again? Like he's every 13 year old who's created an OC for an existing franchise forum role play ever. He comes in and is just shouting, I'm number one. I'm the main character of the story. The world revolves around me. His name apparently is Doubt Barrett. Uh, you know what? Hey, not to front. That is a main character worthy name, though. Doubt Barrett. So both Ash and Lance are like, all right. <laughs> uh, Barrett, let's call him that because doubt sounds weird. Is like, hey, you're, you're, a, you're that mushroom head they can't shut about. You look like a side character. I hate him already. <laughs> He talks like a freaking, um, what do you call him? One of those people who calls people like, uh, NPCs and shit online. Uh, um, I don't know the term we're specifically looking for. Douchebag. Yeah. Yeah. Let's go on that. So, uh, he's like, you're just a side character now. I'm going to take over as, but all of a sudden, uh, Mash's attention gets called by, uh, his friends and Lemon is there. And she's like, I'm going to try and get, keep up with you. So take care. And he's like, all right. So Barrett looks at him. Well, I, I greatly misread that scene the first time through. I thought it was a lot more like classic female protagonists. Like, I don't know if I could keep up with you. So make sure you take care of yourself. But clearly that's her sort of being like, I'm not going to bother keeping up with you, so stay safe. Yeah. So he's like, you know, good luck to you. So That's way funnier like, in yeah. my mind. <laughs> so Barrett spits on MASH. And I was just like, oh, this guy's an asshole. <laughs> so MASH just looks at him and he's just like, really? For real? He doesn't even bother cleaning the spit off of his face as it slowly dribbles down his cheek. And Barrett's like, I'm going to kill him. I hate you. You fucking got attention from women. The Chad Mash and the Virgin Barrett. Yeah. <laughs> so he's like, I'm not crazy. I'm the ratio. So then he starts getting into, I'm not fucking kidding, like pure like incel dialogue because he says the ratio of men to women is equal why isn't there a single girl out there for me the answer is because chumps like you ruined the system and you're why the birth rate's declining won't someone just sell for me already so yeah he's an incel on top of everything yeah, else basically so mashup responds the appropriate way by walking away from him and and incel barrett responds by saying Listen to my rant! Debate me! Ignoring me bruises my ego! <laughs> so, the instructor, who has a wonderfully bushy mustache, uh, shows up and says, all right, all right, come on, guys. Adler and Lang will participate in the exercise. Because you fuck Orca! <laughs> <laughs> it's like there's 20 fucking dorms. There's three! Why isn't Orca here? Why is an orca here? They've already got the best adult. <laughs> He's in a gang, I think. <laughs> anyway, he says, you all have a chance to receive a bronze or a silver coin, but brace yourselves for your task is to dispatch the forest scorpi scorpions and collect the stone on their foreheads. Most of them only earn a bronze coin, but the stronger ones earn a silver coin, and you can identify them by the four-sided stone lodged in their foreheads. Ordinary magic users almost certainly don't stand a chance, but you are not ordinary. You are students of Easton. Do what you must to survive. Anyway, good luck over there. 
We're not gonna we're not gonna save you if you get in trouble. Bye. So they leave and depart into the forest. Uh they're just like, all right, let's try and get some freaking silver coins. Um a new character who has really weird uh, facial lines uh going out from under his eyes to then like shoot past his ears like almost they're like framing a beard or something he grabs mash by the shoulder and is like you think you're hot stuff oh i know you yeah you're special at least you think you are you believe you're not like the others subconsciously you look down on them right and then for no fucking reason he casts a spell and summons a spire of rock into mash's stomach and then the teacher's like i'm gonna mark it out for that (laughs) Stop it! He's like, I was just horsing around. Tell him for it, first year. And Mash glares at him. He's like, yeah, that's right. That's that's the look. The one that makes me want to break you. Looking forward to it, first year. So Lance comes up and is like, hey, you know, just ignore Mash. You know, he's, he's a year older than us. He's infamous for his nasty attitude. And he's been held back for harming numerous students and professors. But they won't expel him on account of his power as a magic user. Lang Dorm is full of his type, so don't bother with them. And then Mash reaches into his jacket. He's like, oh, I thought he crushed my, my cream puff. <laughs> it's all he heard of that. So <laughs> I like how Lance is like. Don't put that in there. That, that's that's not hygienic. And Mash's like, okay. <laughs> he just like didn't know, apparently. Lance says the Mash and he should work together as a pair. Don't worry, I'll look out for you. He looks behind him. Mash is gone. Mash is like, I guess I zoned out. <laughs> it's so fucking stupid. It's such an easy joke, but it still got me. Barrett happens to randomly run into him because he's running through the forest going, Come out, scorpions! <laughs> And he randomly runs into Mash. He's like, oh, what are you doing here? And he's like, and Mash slaps him across the face and shut up. You're annoying. Mash says the greatest line ever that I may start using as my personal insult to people. I wasted calories on you just now. I'll never get them back. And I don't know why, but that line is so brutal and good. They look like they're going to fight, but suddenly they hear screaming. Uh, there's a student who uh, is being there. Two students are in a confrontation. They're like, Stop it. Shut up. I'm, this is all because you make you regret it. And uh, there's a girl who is begging to be saved. But as this guy is apparently going to cast a spell on her, but suddenly an explosion rings out and, you know, the girl opens her eyes and the student who was bullying her has been explodified. And Barrett has saved her. And he says, the moment you lay your hands on a lady, you stop being a man. And the girl is like, oh, oh thank you. And she's like, oh, oh, she's so, oh, she's so pretty. Oh. No, no, no. Play it cool. Play it cool. Just act natural. Oh, it was nothing. And the girl grabs her his hand. And she's like, oh. And she's like, you're so strong. Oh. Can't, can't keep it together. Can't, no chill. So... Within the one chapter that this guy's introduced, like, okay, maybe maybe this guy will be okay if he actually becomes one of the good guys, I, if he's got a less annoying side to him. So. I, I think the the manga pretty clearly kind of established that the traits that we're pretty much all refined and repulsive about him are repulsive because everyone else ignores him or wants to get away from him as soon as possible. Um, I am curious why we're introducing... 
another character at this point. It's been a lot of introduced characters. It's still early on in the manga's run, so I Maybe think that still... we're still on the cast building part of the of the story, yes. But it is weird because you're like, okay, I assumed what Finn is his roommate, yes. Lemon, like as an early protagonist character. Uh, Lance they established, is yeah, Lance yeah. is his rival. They also introduced Tom as somebody who would have kind of a relationship with him. And then it's like, then this character, and then we have a villain here. Is this the same villain from the last one? For the no, last, his, his marks are different. The villain who was the head or was ordering people around at the dorm has three marks on his okay. face. So it's like it's, it's kind of interesting. It looks like there's a lot of different things. I will note one complaint I have on the series so far, and maybe this is something that'd be changed if this is like animated. I wish there was a way to visually tell which house characters belong to mm. at a glance. Yeah. Cause I, give I had them, to give them, the, give them those uh, color coordinated ties that you got in Hogwarts. Yeah. yeah. Or something, something that I could visually be able to tell. Cause I'm like, is this, is Barrett also an Adler character? I can under know. I could understand maybe he's a Lang character and maybe that's what his purpose is to be like a good character or at least an ally character inside be of more, Lang. Be more than uh, Rowling ever did with Slytherin. Yeah, <laughs> so like something like that maybe would help, but I, I can't tell who he's supposed to be a part of right now. But yeah, so I think that this was definitely a very much like you. Just, I mean, you remember who this guy is, Barrett, now that you've seen him because like. He's incredibly annoying, but then, hey, he does show this one really cool side to himself and just like, all right, maybe this guy could be kind of endearing. It's just that he also has some qualities that at least everyone finds annoying and weird. So it's like, you know, how Lance has his sister finish and Mash is like, that's really creepy. So, <laughs> yeah. Uh, and the, on the last page, we see that uh, double mark guy who's got like, okay, it looks like brow piercings as well. Uh, he has just taken down a really massive scorpion and ripped out its uh, the stone on its head and just says to himself, is it almost time? So I guess we'll see what the hell that he's up to next week. So. All right. Mission Yuzakura family. Mission 31. Prison break grandpa. So there's another member of the Yuzakura family. Grandfather who has escaped from prison and Hotokayama is the uh, detective that uh, is in contact with the uh, Yozakras has uh, uh, gotten a message from this old man uh, whose apparently name is Bon. And he's like, I'm stepping out for a bit. And we see that he has come to check out Tayo and uh, snuck into his bag somehow. Um, and uh, so he... Comes out of the bag and is like, oh, so you're my new grandkid. You seem straight laced. Nice to meet you. I'm your grandpa. I do like Tayo's reaction to seeing him. There are some definite like low moments in this chapter, but the exact part where Tayo is just like, I didn't sure it shoots him immediately. He's like, OK, good. You know, he's learning and he he can also react to things without just being like, oh, the spy world is so dangerous. You know, it's like, OK, that's not just his skills developing. That's his personality developing. Mm. So. Um, so Bond gets a little bit beaten up before he's able to actually properly introduce himself. Uh, Mutsumi shows up as well. He's like, yeah, this is this is Grandpa Bond. 
He says, I saw grandma's face flash before my eyes, but your reflexes were pretty good. You're a good husband. I'm relieved. So here's a wedding present. Ching! Big old bundle of bills. And uh, he's like, I've come to congratulate the newlyweds and also to get acquainted with my new grandson-in-law. Let's go, Tayo. But Kyoichiro shows up and he's like, what are you doing here, grandfather? And ties him up with threads. They have asked me to, re- to retrieve you, the escaped prisoner, Bon Yozakura. And uh, Bon's like, hey, hey, don't give my new grandson the wrong idea. My mission is to be an underworld informant. I gather information while I'm in prison, and then I pass it along to here and to other areas. Fair enough. Um, but he's like, oh, I'll go back, but, you know, let me have some fun. But Kyotra is like, no, you are, you're a blabbermouth. You always, you know, go around and, and try to impress ladies by passing on secrets about, that you've learned. So we're putting you back in the in, in jail. Uh, bon immediately escapes the threads. Like he turns almost snake-like, grabs uh, Tayo and throws down a smoke bomb and they vanish. And so we're introduced that this ability. He's incredibly uh, flexible. And so he can infiltrate and escape anywhere as a result of that. Uh, so yeah, he's got, he's got skills. Tayo is taken by Bon to um, a club. And uh, so they get in touch with Tayo pretty pretty much immediately over his phone, and they're like, "Hey, you know, retrieve him, capture him before things get out of hand. It's for his own good." Anyway, where is he? Uh, we're in a bar, and he's flirting with women. And so, yeah, Bond's done immediately what he said was they were he was going to do. He's like, "I want to know some state secrets." And he's like, "See the country," and Tayo claps his hand over his mouth. Um, but Bon immediately escapes, wriggles out of his grip. And he's like, ah, you can't hold me down. But oh, there was a, a bit of glue that uh, Tayo managed to slap onto Bon. So when he sits down, it adheres him to the, the seat. Uh, it's one of Nanao's inventions. But Bon's like, ah, naive. The only thing that can stop me is beautiful ladies. And he whips out of his clothes immediately. He's left in his fucking tidy whities And the girls find this charming, I guess. So... Tayo tries to hold him down, but Bond's too swift for him. And eventually they just, you know, are hanging out at the bar. An hour later, Tayo's out of breath and Bond's like, oh, you're too young to catch me. Um, Bond starts is like, hey, you know, share a drink and some cigarettes with me. And Tayo's like, I'm underage. Uh, but Bond's like, I'll never see my great grandkids at this at this rate. And Tayo's like, oh, the idea of sex with me. <laughs> um so Bond's like, tell you what, I'll tell you some nitty gritty lovey dovey stories about me and the missus so you can learn for future reference. And he says, you know, my, my wife was this beautiful woman. I'm, before I met her, I never opened up to anyone. and I had no family. I was living life with no concern for myself. And Tayo's like, well, that's like me. And Bond says, she shed a light on my reckless way of living. And that was my wife, Keiko. She was a good woman, too good for the likes of myself. And we see an image of young Keiko with young Bond and Keiko tells him, treasure yourself the same way you do me. And Bond's like, I wish I could have grown older with her more. You remind me of me. I want to tell you this as a fellow Yuzakura groom. Even if love is infinite, life is not. Treasure the moment so you don't have any regrets. My only wish is for you two to be happy. And Taya says, it'll be all right. Mutsumi has made me happier than I thought possible and I have no regrets. Then he lights Bond's cigarette for him. So he says, oh, I'll do the same. I'll, I'll get my also Musumi will feel the same way. And that's all I can do. And oh, they've bonded. That's nice. Anyway, Keiko's actually alive. Uh, <laughs> so that was weird. Um, he's like, 
She shows up and uh, slaps uh, handcuffs on Bond, and she says, if you slip these off, the handcuffs will blow up. So if you don't want my hand to blow off, then you'll do as you're told. And she's like, oh, you're here! Um, and Taya's like, he really made it seem like you were alive, and Bond's just like, you're here! Look! Oh! And he wants to you know, go on a date with her and stuff, and she's like, you've got a mission to do. Go back to fucking prison. Um, so... The day ends, uh, Keiko takes Bond away, all tied up and stuff. And a few days later, they get, they have a picture that uh, it turns out they did go on a date before uh, she took Bond back to prison. And so it's like, oh, OK, that's nice. And Taya says their good relationship after all these years is something to learn from. So. So this is definitely a chapter that had its ups and downs. I think overall, I would I'd had a negative reaction to it. Um, but there were nice parts to it. I like the conversation that Bond has with Tayo. In the end, though, it's, you know, more wacky spy shenanigans and, uh, you know, and also it's just like, let's focus on a new character instead of building on the very large, actually, cast that they've got for a 30-chapter series. So. so Bond's gimmick is he goes to prison and mm-hmm. intentionally so he can learn things. Yes. Tell me. Yes. How does he accomplish that when he's solitarily confined and strapped to a motherfucking gurney? Good question, I'm Chris. I'm so fucking done with this series. I'm just done. Zipman's ending and I'm more invested in it than Jishin Yosakura family at this point. Hmm. I mean, I would say maybe he had been momentarily confined to solitary confinement, but Hotokiyama says, here I thought he was awfully obedient lately. So, no, that's not it. <laughs> you know, it would make sense if it had been like, oh, he had been causing trouble, so he was put in isolation, and then that was actually his plan. You know, he wanted to be all alone so that he could escape. And that would make more sense as an explanation, you're right. So, so yeah. Anyway. Zip, man, zip, zip. <laughs> Chapter 17, you and me together. That's the title. So uh, now Koshiro and Kaname are fighting together and their power doesn't just get added together. They become exponentially more powerful. Yay! They fight against the the chairman who's in his giant building mech suit thing. And when he slashes his arms, it causes more zippers to appear, right? Whenever... The beam goes, and they're like, let's do it. Go attack. Sword. Boom. Smash. Zip. Uh, <laughs> and the mouth of the building thing opens up, and oh, there's like a capsule where the, co- where the chairman is sitting inside. And it's like, they went from one to two. How can they be this strong? And uh, they smash the zipper on the main suit and it completely rips apart and all of the zipper suits around town collapse because the main one has been defeated. And so there's everyone going, yeah, and they won. And uh, both Kaname and Koshiro show up in front of China and they're striking their poses and then they get into an argument because they're like, no, she, she, I want to shut fuck you. And... Uh, the two heroes who went to the nightmare, Zip Man 1 and Zip Man 2, eventually got their own TV show. All right. 
Uh, look, and, um, they're, they're they're still around. They're using the zip suits despite the calamity that they were involved with. Uh, Koshiro says, I've met humans I can believe in. So that's why I can believe in this. People who can, who can prove what I believe. And uh, now Konami and Koshiro are apart um, again, but they're able to, you know, coexist more properly. You and me together, let's do this. And that's the end. So. So admittedly. I, I I do kind of like this finale. It's not the best kind where it's like, all right, we had to kind of close things off. But I, I, I like there's kind of like a scale and the worst ones for me are like, uh, here's everything that was supposed to happen in the last chapter. I didn't have time to do it all like this one, even though we clearly had to jump forward and cut out literally all of the character development that uh, the dude was the main character was supposed to have in between like the end of the last arc and this one. I do like that we we got that fight with him and his brother, and then we got to have this kind of final fight where they work together, and then we still have time for, like, an epilogue that, I mean, let's be honest, we really only had, like, three fucking characters we knew about, so we didn't really have to right. spend a ton of time being like, and here's what this character's doing, so... Yeah, this, this six-page epilogue, like, normally would have taken the place of, like, you know, a full chapter, at least, yeah. so... I, I liked it, you know? I, I think it was, uh, it was pretty sweet. Yeah, I mean, like, this is definitely a series that showed flashes of potential. Uh, I imagine that we will see another series from uh, Yusaku Shibata uh, soon. And uh, hopefully it's, a, you know, a bit more well thought out than just cool action scenes. And uh, hopefully it catches on. Mm-hmm. All right. Chris, do we ever Let's learn? Let's do it. Do we ever really learn? Well, Nick, we never learn, I guess. No. Uh... Question 154, X equals Thumbelina Supercomputer Part 4. So, do we want to talk about it now or at the end, Nick? What are you talking about, Chris? We'll talk about it at the end. Uh, So, uh, last time, our heroes and the ghost girl had been stuck, uh, trapped by water when high tide went up. And they know, like, oh, shit, none of us can swim. Oh, God. And then Ogata's just like, we just wait tomorrow, the, the tide will go away. And... We we almost certainly won't die of hunger in a single night. And Yuiga's like, oh yeah. Like <laughs> it's like I guess he just forgot because of the panic of it. But he's nervous because he's like, I'm gonna have to spend the night just the two of us? Oh well, my brain can't this go to weird places right now. This is a situation that uh Yuiga has never had to deal with in the past year of his life. <laughs> never had to do it. Multiple times with like every girl in the series, pretty much. Yeah. So hey, they're gonna they're gonna have to get a fire started. You can't get it started. Admittedly, Ogata's wearing fewer clothes than I think any of them were. Yeah, but yeah. Uh, he, she's like, hey, you know what? Maybe maybe I'll try. And Yuiga's like, no, I'm the guy. I'll do a heavy work. And then she's like, wait, no, it's not about gender. And then she gets sick enough to have the situation mansplained away for her, basically, because uh, that argument just ends he gives her his shirt so that she's not as cold and then they just talk about smelly stuff and then the ghost just lights the fire for them so hey it all worked out anyway i guess uh at the night she's like hey you know it's a good thing that we've got the main character of the ogata arc misao yeah basically (laughs) she's like hey reminds me of the first time he came to my house uh you know reminding him of that moment and she's like, at times like this, it feels like the distance between us shrinks, you know? And he's like, uh, yeah, I guess so. And he thinks back to 
A game. This is a game we're playing, right? Lady Ogata's been getting close in a way that feels so natural. I tend to get swept up in it. Yeah, I totally believe it. Yeah. I'm very glad they stated that because I would not have been able to read it from this scene. Uh, And then she says, hey, speaking of birthdays, Sekijo's birthday is coming up. And he's like, I didn't know that. We should have a big celebration. She's like, yeah, this is my chance to repay her for always being great. Oh, oh, maybe something will happen. Maybe something will happen there. All right, let's wait. She talks about how she's like, she's always saying, help me out. I wish there was something I could do to support her. Let's see what happens there. Uh, and then he's like, oh, well, I bet if she heard you say that, she'd go into a state of uh, ecstatic rapture and pass out. She's like, what does that mean? And he's like, uh, I don't know. She's like, nosebleeded orgasm and fall asleep, I guess. <laughs> like, you mean it in layman's terms. Uh, then they get really close. And uh, the fire is, like, kind of heating up. And she's like, oh, were you going to say something? No, you were going to say something, right? No, no, you were. And I'm like, oh, my God, this is the worst. I hate this romance. Can we please just go to anyone else's part? There's no canon ending, Chris. This is equally valid as the Uruka (laughs) ending. Uh, It's up to you, the reader, to determine which ending is the official ending. (laughs) Second Joe shows up. She's like, hey, I found you guys. I'm here what to a fucking hero. <laughs> I'm here to save us from this fucking scene. And then uh, her boat gets turned over. So both of them leap into the water. And the only how she's like, don't worry, I'm here now. Your best friend, Sawako Seki Joe. Yikes. <laughs> <laughs> I do like and the only legitimately funny one though. They both jump into the water and is there mid-air about to get into the water. They turn to like, can you swim? <laughs> And uh, no, they can't. They both go into the water. Seki Joe manages to save them, manages to pull them both out. They're like, wait, I thought we came in to save you. And Seki Joe's like, yeah, it's kind of weird. I guess something pulled me out. And Ghost Girl did it. Ha ha ha. Sal's the main character. She pretty much is. Uh, Ogata hugs her because she's like, you know, thank you. You scared the heck out of me. I'm so glad that you're safe. And uh, Seki Joe starts shooting blood as she tries to like be calm. And she's like, no, I'm the one who's so glad you're safe. Thank goodness. Uh, we cut back to the house and I'll say this. We made a couple jokes about the fact that th- like this is so weak in comparison to the Aruka ending. Yeah. This is the only moment that actually had me concerned that there that maybe we were going to get the worst version of this where they do try to because we actually start to kind of get some closure of Femino in Ogata's storyline which depending on how much of this we do could not be good. And maybe we were really getting all four different endings, which is exhausting, but Hey, um, but she's like, Oh man, I think back to that time where me and Aruka also discovered that she would, I guess all of us needed to walk in on you. Doing well, they something. were, they were there mm-hmm. when that happened. They just didn't see, you know, how close we got to New week. I got basically. Yeah. So, so both and also Ogata did not propose would you like to play a game with me yeah. <laughs> oh man it'd be so much better if she was making Yuiga play Saw games oh yeah like the entire time that they've been you know going to college and stuff she occasionally kidnaps him and forces him in to make some sort of horrible sacrifice in order to escape the death trap yeah hey Yuiga could you help me o- order a reverse bear trap off of Amazon I can't find one <laughs> oh sure ogata wait is this for one of the death traps you're gonna make for me maybe yeah we were gonna play saw um 
I got distracted. There's a podcast I listened to where one of the guys, they just made a joke about him that he was like, hey guys, I just played Saw. Want to go play it with me? That he's just like this scumbag who was just like, just got done playing this really cool Saw game. Anyone else want to play? Um, Uega, basically they cut to that scene and Firmino and Aruka are like, oh, holy shit. Like, wow. She's really fucking forward. I didn't think I could. I don't think I could do it. And I guess this is their way of saying this is why Aruka didn't confess because she's like, nope, too forward for me. So maybe that's it for both of them. And then maybe we'll still get an Asumi and Akirisu closure as well. I'm hoping not. But I mean, I guess this is a pretty necessary thing considering Firmino specifically still has some of these feelings and has to kind of figure it out. That's the way the chapter ends with Fumito saying, go for it, Ogata. And yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's much more depressing, honestly, for Uruka than for anything we got in her ending with the others where they were like, yeah, we're sad, but you know, go get him. And then this yeah. one, she's like, I guess I'm just going to fly away from you. Uga, forever. <laughs> like, I guess I'll just God. leave these feelings digested yes. in my stomach forever. Constantly and taunting. One day I'll die. <laughs> <laughs> so Nick, Doctor, go ahead. do we want to talk oh, about right. an OVA? Oh, go ahead. Do we want to talk about what happens in an OVA of We Never Learn? So you guys like it's not canon. <laughs> I don't know why you guys are doing this. I don't see no fucking black and white pictures. You see, I sent me freaking screenshots of this overly red and pink bullshit. Oh, say could you fantasize about marrying Okada in an OVA? All right, all right. So, that's that's Nick's firm stance. If that happens in the manga, then it'll be different, but it hasn't yet. So, all right. Dark Stone Z equals one hundred forty-six. Ba Francois bitters. Look, we don't have time to talk about that, okay, Chris? I'm serious. So we've got like four, five chapters to talk about stuff. <laughs> so, you know, I was still upset that there was no booze being served in Francois' bar, but Francois is like, we're just, I'm waiting for the alcohol to actually be processed because they have to go through the whole thing. The weirdest part of this whole thing is that Kohaku was actually doing part of the explanation because she's familiar with the process she's been entrusted with by now. So it's just weird to have anyone let alone kohaku give a scientific explanation that isn't senku so bunch of the like all of the extras basically on on the on the purge just get regular ass beer and uh then ginro approaches matsukaze is like hey matsukaze i want to hear tell me about when i was your lord how awesome was i and ginro's like that wasn't you ginro <laughs> so matsukaze gives a very bleak uh, recollection of what uh, his master was like and how he basically they were fighting in this war where there were all these petrification devices being used by rival factions on this island. And the uh, past Gindro uh, was trying to lead everyone to destroy the weapons in order to save them all. But uh, he was uh, touched by one of the beams. Matsukaze briefly saved him by cutting off his arm before the rest could spread to his body. Uh, But then after he carried him away from the side of the battle, I mean, he lost a fucking arm. So he's bleeding out. And so the past Kinro says, Matsukaze, I'm not long for this world. I've given some thought to the matter. Why would the heavens rain down these weapons upon the people? At first, I thought a divine punishment. But don't you think it's strange if the heavens meant to petrify us all? then why not simply send a single device to envelop the island? Why, for that matter, are the weapons simple enough for us humans to use? 
They seem designed to bait us into petrifying each other willingly. How vexing. I wish nothing more than to prove the heavens wrong, to show that mankind is not so foolish that we are not to be mocked. So, hmm, interesting. Hero dies, rival warriors show up, Matsukaze has proper, like, you know, huge samurai one against many showdown with them. Blood is shed, his hair falls out of its top knot, he's surrounded by corpses. Um, but a bunch of people throw a petrification devices in his direction. And so he's left to contemplate uh, what his master has just told him. And so he says, I must inform future generations of the source of this evil. And uh, so he allows himself to be petrified. So that's the big thing that happens in this chapter, that explanation. And so, you know, that's the big thing. Well, there's that. Uh, <laughs> the three that's the, the big thing that happens in the beginning of this chapter. Uh, afterwards, Francois makes a very simple drink for him and uh, turns out he's a lightweight. He falls over immediately. I do like there's the whole thing where Ginro is left to reflect on, you know, what type of a person Matsukaze's previous lord was. And, uh, you know, maybe he should stop being so much of a dick to him. Uh -huh. um, when Matsukaze wakes up, it's time for some fucking weapons training. And so uh, Sukasa is going to train him. Uh, and uh, then... They're like, Sukasa basically specifically asked for two, uh, well, one person to be revived, that being Hyoga. But Hyoga's like, all right, tell you what, I'll help you polish Matsukaze's weapons training, but I have one condition. I want two people to be revived of my choosing. And so uh, Mose and Hamura are revived as well. Uh, so that was quick. <laughs> so three things. One. I've been meaning to ask whatever happened to the poison girl, but I've been too afraid of looking dumber than I already am. So I've been holding off, like asking that out loud. It's like, I bet she's somewhere and I just forgot. Uh, so it's good. That's finally answered. Uh, two, does this count for an arm getting cut off? Yes. Okay. So that adds to the, the, the count. And then three, Sukasa has like a super double-sided buster sword now. Yeah, he's fine. He's, I they just never really thought to mention that. It. Maybe it turns into a sword, Chuck. So yeah. So Ginro observes Matsukaze fighting with all of these horrifying people, except Tomura because she's you know a, a spy, not a direct hand-to-hand -hand fighter. Um, and so. Ginro calls over to Kinro and says, I don't want any part of that. I mean, I'm not, I'm not going to get caught up in those dangerous people. Do you think we could, you know, and all oh, they start to train together just like old times. And uh, it's like <laughs> Ginro says, you know, just like bitterness, when you combine layers of uselessness, they turn to a smooth flavor or something. And Kinro's like, what are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> That's how the chapter ends. So training. So, yeah. Yeah, I'm very curious to see if there's going to be more purpose to bringing back all three of those characters than the train of character I already wasn't super excited about being around. So uh, it definitely seems as though we're going to be heading into a big like war thing. Uh, that's honestly like once they actually clash with whoever the fuck Y-Man is, that's probably going to be the final arc of the story. Mm. 
but that's probably still you're gonna guess about probably i would guess like 100 chapters or so i was gonna uh, say we, they still have to go to all those different locations and get all the different things yeah all right chainsaw man brum brum chapter 65 the darkness devil denji has just heard that the darkness devil intends to fucking kill makima everyone starts trying to fight back with their useless arms not being there uh we see some cool things happen like one of the bodyguards tries to summon the stone devil by making a blood sigil on the ground but uh one of the darkness devil's arms just fucking grabs it and crushes it and the dude who summoned it um is crushed as well so good job uh beam tries to revive denji by pulling on his ripcord and something else happens as well the violence devil says to kobani take off my mask and hide beam entrusts denji with just with trying to save them the darkness devil points a finger and his head falls off and his torso is bisected as well uh all of the girls and another bodyguard are basically all immediately struck down in one go by the darkness devil's many bladed arms. Uh, like Chuanji is down. Uh, Makima does not get it nearly as bad as the others, but she still gets cut numerous ways over her body. You mean power? Uh, power. Sorry. Yes, that, uh, and then the violence devil, uh, with his face revealed, he's got four eyes, um, hooks the fuck up. And tries to launch an axe kick at, at to the darkness devil who says something um, and holes appear all across violence devil's body. Denji jumps into action. He can barely get a blade out of his arm. And as he tries to strike the darkness devil. Faces appear in the darkness around him and they're pointing and. It's creepy. That's all that matters. <laughs> it doesn't look like the Dars never gets hurt at all. Aki starts to freak out because he sees the power is down and he remembers, oh, God, people around me keep dying. The darkness devil claps. Not even the darkness devil. The darkness devils, I guess, things that are around him in the darkness clap their hands together. Denji falls after being struck numerous times. The violence devil gets up despite having holes in his body and someone's another fist from his mouth. Uh, but a sword appears in the air and impales him and then um blood goes everywhere as aki is left on the ground uh before the darkness devil and the angel devil just looking at him also a bell rang at one point not sure why so there you go yeah well uh, the bells was attached to the sword and i assume that that was like the special effect as to why oh, he like rained blood um so I think this is a cool chapter, but this is a chapter that kind of makes you realize, like, oh, there won't be consequences to this because the entire cast is dead if this is supposed to be a reality. Well, power looks in better shape than the others who got killed at the moment that she was. And she's a devil. So maybe she she could survive this. Literally everyone else. I could actually see dying at this moment. It like would it would feel violence. Kobeni's still alive. Violence Devil dying. I could see that with the, you know, the peep characters who have died before him. Um, and then Chuan Chi and her girlfriends. Yeah, I could see that. And Bodyguard's dying. Yeah, I could see that. Aki's still up. Angel Devil's still up. Denji's still up. I'm, well, I'm gonna, Denji's in bad shape, but. I'm going to be pretty annoyed if everyone else, like, unless Power has some real stupid, funny reason as to why. The darkest devil, yeah. The darkest devil just like kind of 
sliced everyone clean in half, but for some reason she didn't. So, yeah, like I, I this is one of those things. Just Nick, just like Tiger King, I don't buy this. Okay. This is a fucking. Right. This is this is this is this is some carny shit you're trying to trick me on. So I'm not buying into this yet. Yeah. All right. So. Uh, <laughs> oh boy. So, Rachi's killed himself. It's sad. Question mark. Um, chapter title is A New World Part One. Rachri. <laughs> All right. So Emma's looking at Rachri and is like, if you were born in Gracefield, could we have been friends? Cue imagination spot of baby Emma and baby Norman and baby Ray greeting baby Peter Rachri and playing together. Of course not. Never. <laughs> Don't bother. I'm dead. Fuck you. Dead. Isn't dead. this like the third time this has happened to? I feel like I remember oh, a moment. Fresh idea, a fresh concept. I no, like, I've never been. Before. I feel like this has happened exactly before. Where Emma's been like, I wonder if they were our best friend at the school. If we'd be friends with them, like, yeah, fuckhead. If they grew up like on your fucking neck, like on your neighborhood street, you'd probably been buds with them. That's how friends work. This is something that any series can do one time, like one time. Or it's it's deliberately a theme of the series. Promise Neverland has done neither. Promise Neverland has flooded you with this idea just in the late game. So like, you know, in Dr. Stone, what they did with Tsukasa, it was powerful. They haven't done it since. When uh, I think they did it with, um, I forgot. I'm forgetting the example that I had in my mind. Whatever. Like the imagination of like, if we knew each other as kids, could we have been friends this whole time? Why would we have still been enemies? You do it once or you have to do it repeatedly throughout, not three times in a row out of nowhere. Rotary's dead, shows up and is like, I was able to enjoy this for longer than I expected. Well done. Emma is upset that Rotary died. She wipes her face. And it's like, we're going to do it. We're going to find a life that we can live happily with our family. And then there's like an awkward encounter because all the moms are there with the kids. And Isabel's like, so what now? Um, so I was like, OK, well, there's still the 2000 Imperial soldiers and we have other stuff we need to do. <laughs> um, but Emma's like, I'm glad because I wanted to talk to you once we got to Gracefield. Let's go to the human world. And once everything's over, you should come with us. And we see that when she told that she wanted the children to go to the human world, she meant all the children that uh, had been in the farms, the ones that had gr grown up as well. And so they're part of the promise as well. Oh, that was nice of her. And uh, some of the moms were like, are you sure you want to forgive us for what we've done? And Ray's like, oh, God, <laughs> get over it. Look, you're sick of this, right? I'm glad that I'm alive, so whatever. It's fine. No grudges. Let's go. I'm bored of this stupid series. I'm going to my better series that's going to happen after it's over with. It's called Ray and the Ray and, and the Ray of Ray. It's going to be so cool. Oh, I love Ray. <laughs> <laughs> so everyone's like, come on, Mom. You can join us, Mom. And Isabella, you know, the act breaks. And, you know, she's like, she thought that she would be rejected. And even, even Ray is like, you know, getting over and she's like i'm sorry for everything and thank you and she cries as she's surrounded by some of the younger children and emma's like all right once we're done we'll come back here and uh so you know let gracefield continue to operate we've got other stuff to do 
No, we don't actually. They get word that everything is basically over because um, the, the, there's a message going out from the Imperial capital to everyone. All the Imperial soldiers that are stationed outside are leaving. So, yay, we won, basically, it seems like. Anyway, so uh, Promise Neverland is heading towards this finale. So uh, three chapters from now, rocks are going to fall and kill Elizabeth. So, yeah. All right. Let's talk about Black Clover then. Uh, Black Clover, page 246. The tree. Oh, fuck. I forgot I was supposed to look up how to say this. The tree of Kluploth, which is almost certainly not how that said. Um, so Asta has uh, fallen as ungainly and ungracefully as possible into the ground. And uh, he's currently unconscious where the demon is saying, like, I'm going to kill you. I'm going to slaughter you. I won't get away with this. Basically feeding into all of his anger. And Asta's like, oh, what's going on? Oh, right. Gosh. Oh, he's okay. And that spade guy. Oh, cool. Yami beat him. And I guess he just falls unconscious again. <laughs> um, but hey, Yami beat him because he condensed his magic zone. And he's so strong. But wait. He said, ha ha. Who would have thought I'd have to use this magic? And there's a spell. And everyone's like, is that, is that that spell? What, what is that spell? They don't really know. And he talks about, like, ah, you. I mean, he heals from it, but it looks almost like his flesh morphs yeah. as opposed to just the damage being undone. How could he have two types of magic? We've never seen a mage with two types of magic before. <laughs> Nick, as you know, the one rule that cannot be broken in Black Clover, if you're a mage, you can only have one type of magic. That's how it works. Right. So this must be some kind of he must be using gravity to close his. You know what? That, that might be the be actual cool. answer, though. <laughs> uh, so he's like, oh, yes, you're you're real. You're real good. Yami. I was so bored. I've been bored of everything. Crushing people, being evil, killing a dog, I guess. All of it. All of it bored me. But this is where it starts. You, you're going to open up a world that's far more magnificent. And Yami's like, hey, so to kind of follow up, I guess, on last chapter, what was all that about me being a key to the underworld? They're like, ah, yeah, there's a, a magical channel called Tree of Quilbloth. Clefoth. Clefloth. 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 Um, and I like, there's two things that are required to make it. A big tree and darkness, which... <laughs> This is what you guys, you and William Vangents so have. I'm taking you with me to California. Yeah. <laughs> We're going to find a real big tree. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, that he's like, I need arcane stages with dark magic and world tree magic. And we kind of already have the world tree magic guy. So, hey, that's why the Golden Dawn was targeted before. Makes sense. Uh -huh. Cool. And he's like, so hypothetically, if this world gets linked to the underworld, what happens? And they're like, oh, well, devils were pouring. Like, just, they'll they'll be unstopped, like, unchecked. They'll just pour all over everything. Ha ha, ha 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 He does a whole, like, evil laugh, and he's like, oh, I'm really looking for this. <laughs> and uh, Yami's like, I guess I'm gonna have to kill you now. Uh, cut over to somewhere in the Spade Kingdom, where they're like, two people are like... Hey, Overspy around here? Yeah, that's a new plot thread. Cool. Yeah. And they're just like, hey, there's a spy. And someone's looking at, is it the tree of Cloboth? No, they're looking at the Sephiroth. So uh, I it is a visual very similar to the diagram that comes up, but it is a different one. I think this is the same one that came up with the elves. Yeah, this is Sephiroth. So, yeah. So... Someone's looking at the Sephiroth. Someone's like, what are you doing in Lord Dante's room? Oh, you must be the spy. 
I'm going to fight you. Oh, they're gone. Oh, they killed me. Goodbye. And then they look like they have a Black Bulls book. Yes. So I looked up some stuff to see if anyone had, you know, any clues as to who this person actually is based off of, you know, build and all that stuff. Um, I do wonder if it's supposed to be Zora because being a spy seems like he would actually probably be pretty well suited to doing that out of all the members that we know of in the Black Bulls. And we haven't seen him since the flashback, I don't think. Uh, not the flashback, the time skip. Um, that said, he doesn't, he doesn't move like Zora. Yeah, this character literally moves through darkness. Mm-hmm. Uh, you could say it's a type of trap, maybe, but it doesn't seem to really match with the way that Zora t- tends to do things. Well, so people are saying there's a missing vice captain. I thought, exactly. I thought, I thought Vanessa was the vice captain. God damn, I don't pay attention in this series. So it could be a number of things. It could be a character that we've never seen before, who is the missing vice captain of the Black Bulls. Hey, it could be a character we've met before but wasn't part of the Black Bulls before, and they joined the Black Bulls during the time skip. Who knows? I, so I, As I read this chapter, at first I thought it was Zoro, but then when I reread it, I was like, oh god, I hope it's not Patri. Because I was like, there is the fucking the Sephiroth designs there, and that was yeah. their whole thing, so it wouldn't yeah, be... That's what happened to them after they were left to... to by the way, you're not dying now! <laughs> yeah, so... I, I mean, those characters are still out there. Hey, this is an, an awful chapter. It's an okay one. This is sort of like a new thing to throw in there, but maybe it is. This this could be more of a... As I said, I've forgotten that there was a the vice captain we haven't seen before, so if that is something, then that actually is some good long-term payoff. I don't know if we were ever actually told the the Black Bulls had a vice captain. I know that other squads have vice captains, and we've never had one named for the Black Bulls. But uh, uh, let's see, we'll Black Bulls vice captain uh, is nope. There is there is no vice captain, basically. Exactly right. So One Piece. Chapter 976, begging your pardon. So uh, <laughs> there's a cool t- two-page color spread of the tunt of the uh, Tontadas basically help him make shoes with with the the straw hats it's very cute very colorful so i do like the detail at the very beginning of this chapter after kinemon was like yes that was my plan you know um literally all the other members of the akazaya nine that are there with them are 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 like hey you can tell us that you made a mistake we won't be mad i mean it it turned out fine but stop lying fuck you anyways You know, he makes a big, a big speech about like, you know, we were born severally, we'll die together. I accept this fate. Let's fight. Let's go and carry on uh, Odin's will. Kawamatsu tries to swim to shore to get to Kanjiro and get Momonosuke away from him. But Kanjiro summons basically a swan? Big aquatic bird thing to carry him away. And he's going to take Momonosuke. And as he flies away, he's like, now I'm going to find Hiyori and kill her now that I know she's alive. So he starts flying away. Uh, so the straw hats realize what's going on. Luffy's like, hey, what, what, are, you do- what are you doing up there? Um, Sanji starts to take to the air with his skywalk. Um, and uh, Chopper explains to Luffy that Kondra is an enemy spy and he's capturing Momonosuke. And so Luffy's like, really? He was a spy this whole time? What a jerk! <laughs> 
Usopp tries to shoot him down. Sanji tries to go after him. But, oh, there's a cloud of ink that the bird is uh, that uh, Kondro's hair is spewing out. So uh, covering his escape. And then he causes it to rain down ink arrows on the uh, all the group, all the samurai and Luffy's crew and everything like that. Uh, and, you know, Kondro mocks Momonosuke saying that he's going to kill them all and that, you know, the, all the, the generals, all those brave and hardy samurai follow is just a wheeling child without conviction cowering because he's up high. What a joke. So Momonosuke says, I know most of all that I'm not Kazuki Oden and I know it better than anyone. So he shouts down to everyone. Do not fret about me. That is what the enemy wants you to do. I will find a way to escape my own. Destroy Kaido and Orochi and protect Wano. Even though, of course, internally he's thinking there's no way he can do this on his own. But Luffy is impressed by Momo's show of bravery. He's like, he shouts up to him for such a cowardly, dumb little brat. You're just a kid with a top knot who's all talk. Nice compliment, bro. Uh, But he says... Find a way to survive and we'll go and rescue you because we're pals. And Momonosuke, all I can do really is nod as he is carried away. So they're like, all right, let's get to Onigashima. But in the uh, commotion that's been going on, uh, Kinemon and company have gotten aboard Law's ship. And Law's like, get away from me. (laughs) He really doesn't like them being there. He's just like, no, you're not in one of the samurai. Just get off here. He's like. We appreciate the help. I'm not helping you. Go away. <laughs> Social distancing. I'm a doctor. <laughs> All right. Kid says, kid is just concerned that I guess the straw hats are going to get all the glory. So they order, he's orders his crew forward as well. So they're trying to close on the uh, Animal Kingdom pirates who have long range cannons and have managed to get away during all this uh, commotion. They're firing on, on the crew. All the three different captains react different, differently. Uh, Law thinking like, ah, it was suspicious that they ran away like that. And he's like, we've got to get closer. And Kid is like, sink all the samurai ships you want. See if I care. What a great ally to have. <laughs> so. And obviously there's trouble because if they can just maintain the distance, then all of the ships will be sunk before they can do anything. The Animal Kingdom pirates are celebrating and uh, mocking them from a distance. All of a sudden, someone shouts, Spear Wave! And from one of the waves, a lance of energy shoots out, piercing one of the Animal Kingdom Pirate ships. Uh, it blows up some of the long-distance cannons. And like, what's going on? And Robin says, maybe they're being killed by the vengeful spirit of a baby who died at sea. I always, like, I forget that's part of Robin's gimmick. <laughs> It really, every time it happens, it takes me for surprise. <laughs> oh, but of course, who should emerge? But a very polite fishman who says, well met, good people, begging your pardon. I hail from the fishman district of Ryugu Kingdom on the bottom of the sea. I am but a humble newcomer to the group, having imposed upon folks left and right despite receiving a ritual cup from the boss of the Straw Hat crew. They call me Jimbei, first son of the sea. For the sake of a long and fruitful relationship, I would be pleased to make your acquaintance. Sorry for forcing you to wait like that, but I've come back alive just as I promised, Luffy. I'm glad I made it in time for the battle. And we get a big old caption box that says, Straw Hat Crew Helmsman Jimbei, first son of the sea. And of course, all the Straw Hats are ecstatic to see him. 
Well, Kid and Mar are kind of pissed off. I, I, do, I do love that where they're like, what the fuck? Are you kidding me? He's a straw hat now? No, bullshit. God bullshit. damn it. <laughs> so Jinpei joins the straw hats officially. He made it back just in time for the big fight in Wano. And he's not the character of the week this week somehow. <laughs> no, I think this is the one everyone probably, like, when they were like, I don't know, is it still going to be Osamu? They probably talking about this because one piece fans have been really excited uh and i was i think this would have been more exciting if he hadn't shown up in fishman island because it doesn't or not fishman mm. whole cake island because it doesn't really feel like it's been that long since we've seen jimbei like yeah. in terms of the story like in time it's only been like a year and a half i think since we've seen jimbei which is astonishingly long in comparison but considering one right. piece like it's not that long so I'm actually super excited to see him. Uh, I'm maybe not as hyped as a lot of other people just because it happened to be in the exact same week that a much longer payoff happened that I was like, oh, my God. Uh, but it's still it's still pretty cool. I mean, geez, this is like the first person to join the Straw Hats officially in f- like seven ten. years. This it might be longer than I, that. I, I, it is longer. I had a friend recently who just finished. uh the thriller bark arc and i was like yeah it was a pretty good arc they you know that and i looked it up i was like oh my god decade ago like 10 years ago <laughs> I was yeah. like, jesus no one else has joined officially since brooke so yeah um yeah cool chapter a lot of good chapters this week but only one could be the the best chapter only one only one chris you've already get, said that it is osamu and world trigger for you nope and a big twist of fate it's big twist. it's gonna be uh uh, the second part of Francois's drink chapter, and uh, it's going to be Dante, because he used gravity to seal his wounds. He used gravity to seal his wounds. I'm going to partially echo you and say World Trigger definitely for chapter of the week. Such a huge payoff. But my character of the week is actually going to be Dobby. Okay. Uh, I thought that... Uh, the house, the, the, the humble house elf? Yes, exactly, Chris. He... Uh, he he, he got his sock and he was a free elf until he got a fucking knife thrown into his stomach. Um, but uh, I really like the way that uh, he comes off in this chapter of, of my hero, how intimidating and crazy he is. Uh, he often seems like to be, you know, this very like kind of dull, brooding sort of character. But I love seeing this psychopath energy that he gives off. And I like the fact that he's being made a big deal of because it's nice to have more than one villain long term with a mm-hmm. big payoff to come up. So, and uh, what was the audience's choice? Uh, the audience picked World Trigger and Osamu. Let's come uh, on now. <laughs> you had to so ask. I had to be sure, you yeah. know, for uh, for the sake of uh, posterity. Mm-hmm. All right, that is going to do it for Weekly Manga Recap. Thank you for joining us for this long episode here on twitch.tv slash where we record the show live around 7.30 to 8 Eastern p.m. time. You can follow us on Twitter to keep updated on when exactly the show begins, however. Uh, the official podcast account is at WMR Podcast, and your two hosts are at RoloT and at Nick F. Time. Check out our past episodes on weeklymagarecap.podbean.com. You can also see some of them on YouTube, and you can see stuff on iTunes as well, if that is your preferred podcast listening method. Send us feedback and questions and stuff through our Discord server and through the email account, weeklymagarecap at yahoo.com. 
Special thanks go out to our Patreon supporters. Your support allows to create bonus content for you guys to enjoy. Special thanks to Steve Man, our tire cars. You can check out his work anywhere where boobs are allowed to be shown on the internet, so not Tumblr. Uh, to Infamous Planet for making the frame for the stream version of the podcast, and to Milo Jack Stillitz and Wizardale Cheddar for the opening sequence of the show, and to NGS3i for maintaining the spreadsheet where we keep track of recommendations and all the favorites and MVPs and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. It's very helpful to uh, source of information, especially to our listeners who want to know, have you covered this series? Check out the, the spreadsheet. We have covered a lot of manga. We so. have. Speaking of recommendations, do we have a recommendation for next time? Yeah, Chris? so we've covered a lot of manga. We're going to be covering another one. Uh, we're going to be taking a look next time at Blue Flag, the uh, long-running series from Kaito, who uh, did Cross Manage. So this one runs... I forget what magazine it runs in, but essentially it it uh, it can be available through the Manga Plus app. So we're going to take a look at that one. I'm very curious. It's a romance series. Yeah. Uh, from mm. my understanding. So but there was no curious. romance in cross manage whatsoever, Chris. Nope, not at all. So very curious to check that one out. I've been very curious. It was just recently I was thinking, I was like, I wonder what the guy who did cross manage is doing. And then I heard somebody mention like, yeah, that the blue flags written by the guy from cross manage. Like, Oh, right. <laughs> there you go. All right. Well, so that'll be a recommendation coming up at some point. It's possible that maybe we'll like, I don't know, cover it like solo in a couple weeks. I don't know. Uh, next week, we'll have regular manga to cover the week after that. We're not really sure what we're going to do yet because uh, it was recently announced. I think it was announced just today, in fact, that uh, due to uh, an editor, uh, I believe, getting uh, uh, diagnosed with coronavirus in the, sh- in the uh, Shonen Jump office, that the April 20th issue has been delayed. So... Next week, we'll have manga as normal, but the week after that, there's not going to be jump manga, it seems like. So uh, we may have a gap uh, for the fourth Wednesday of the month. Yeah. So Yeah, we'll still find something to do in that time, because uh, no matter what, we'll fill it in with something. Uh, Might be a Q&A episode. Who knows? We'll yeah, see. maybe we'll pull out Yu-Gi-Oh cards and throw them at each other and see what happens. Yeah, we can try playing a rush duel, Chris. Ooh, sounds exciting. It's like Uno, but with more rules. Um, all right, that's good to do it, Nick. Why don't we... Uh, let's finish this off, Nick, with a Firefly Funhouse, where I take you through the course of your history, and then at the end... Uh, yeah, I you... realize what a horrible person I really am, and because <laughs> I've defeated myself, then you show behind me in a demon clown mask, and because I'm, I've realized what a horrible person I am, then you can defeat me easily. Yep, so. and then you vanish from existence, <laughs> and there's no explanation of what happened to gone to the night. God. I can't wait for the time John Cena has to come back, and he has to be like, "Hey guys, just managed to escape the evil clown dimension." Burr, 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 burr. Firefly Hunt Funhouse match infinitely better than Boneyard match. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>